Live, everyone. We have, uh, I think it's Mikhail Amin. Is that how you say it? Perfect. That's it. Awesome. So we have Mikhail with us, which is amazing. This dude's already interesting from the limited conversations I've had with him. So I'm freaking excited to get into this. Welcome to Bridge the Gap. My name is Holden Stefan Roy, and this is the show where we basically talk to interesting people such as yourself. We walk through your life a little bit. And we get to extract knowledge nuggets along the way that can, you know, better enhance all of our collective existences. Um, it's probably not like most interview shows you've done, hopefully. That's what I'm going for, at least. But with that, to start us off from our big old opening question, can you just let us know super briefly where you were born? Not so much where you're based, but like where the early parts of your life took place and kind of a little bit about what you do. For sure. Um, yeah, so, you know, thank you for having me holding you. Yeah, I'm and Mikhail and Min. Um, I was born and raised in the East Coast state of New Jersey. My family's originally from um, Newark. I was born actually in Livingston. Um, but then about around two years old, I moved to a part of the state. It's a little bit more rural, small town, a little bit up in the west called a place called Hopatcong. more like a a farming county um, in New Jersey. It's interesting, man. A lot of people don't realize, like, I mean, it's called the Garden State. Uh, it's really, it's really a lot of like agricultural and like woods and forests. So people don't really think about that. When they think Jersey, they think Newark, they think Atlantic City, they think Camden, they think right next to New York City, they think city urban. Um, but a lot of actually me growing up was me kind of. And it's funny we were talking about a little bit right before we got on live. But I come from sort of this sort of like. This, this place is very small, um, but I've always been a writer um, and really developed a love for hip-hop music You're gonna get through all of age. that with like the proper first opening question, but we had to set the scene because yeah. otherwise it's like, you'll, you'll understand when I get through the question. But now we know mm -hmm. we started, first of all, I had no idea that New Jersey was that. I mean, I know it's the Garden State, but I never think about New Jersey because I don't think a lot about American geography until I talk to people who happen to <laughs> most be from places. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> when it, most people don't think about Jersey. <laughs> Jersey's the afterthought. It's not even like Jersey. People. people will be like, Rochester, and I have to look at a map to see. I have to look at a map to see where the fuck New York City is half the time. I don't know where shit is in the States. Uh, uh, <laughs> It wasn't part of my education. We got Canada stuff. So, like, it was just whatever. The States is just a lot of shit. Um, right. But the opening question for Real Real is it's a bit of a story. And when it lands, I look forward to seeing where you take it. But um, it starts with my girlfriend. And she's washing the dishes. And she's got her phone. And she's playing this Black Eyed Peas song. I got a feeling. Ooh. And she's vibing to this song and she's dancing around she's doing her dishes she's having a good time and i start thinking about this moment and i'm like yo that's kind of it's kind of nifty to see how like this song has turned into in our lives chores music or exercise music or this stuff that you put on when you're doing boring crap and you want to have a good time in your mind so why do we do that because 10 years ago this song was honestly the party anthem for when you were super drunk at two in the morning having a great time in the clubs and so all of us had this song in this kind of context at one point and then all of a sudden 10 years later this song has kind of evolved for a bunch of us into exercise music chores music and it's the same song but over the course of the decade its place in our lives has changed completely into something new and i just thought that was that was super interesting because it's like music evolves 
it's not like the same song but its purpose evolves right so then as i started talk, asking this question people kind of enhanced my understanding and it's more like everyone who is in that chores phase takes any of the club music right now and basically uh you know uses it as chores music and all them young people that are bopping out to them cardi b's and whatnot in the clubs they're gonna be in the future 10 you know years down the line they're gonna be seeing the choice music they're gonna be bopping around doing the same thing and i found out a bunch of moms is doing you know the dishes to cardi b right now and it's like to me it's just so nifty how music evolves over time like that and that kind of tied into ourselves and our own journeys with this and i started realizing when you look into people a lot of us don't realize how early the journey starts they start talking about things around adolescence like when we start to form our identities and attach ourselves to the different things that uh you know we remember from our high school years etc but really music is like you said it starts early it's one of those things that honestly from the day you're born there's probably some level of a musical force that's around you so like i can remember being like you know super young four years old five years old and like my dad has all these gray boxes these like fucking amp and the radios and the tape decks all strung together with the wires going around to all the speakers in the room and be busting these led zeppelin tapes and we playing these 90s techno music and my mom she had these musicals and she had her discos and all these different sounds created the various ambiances to my life growing up and it kind of really impacted me as time went on so i was hoping like you could bring us back to being the youngest mikhail you can remember being and walk us through a little bit what it sounded like to be you before you had any real influence in the music oh wow wow well you know the earliest the earliest me i can remember i'd say probably was like seven mm. six or seven and you know like i said you know my father he is uh, a retired high school teacher he grew up in Newark. That's where he's from. So I spent a lot of time um, over my grandparents' house. And my first cousin, uh, who was the, the son of my, my, my father's the oldest of three brothers. So I spent a lot of time there because he was always there because my uncle lived still at home. And, you know, I grew up you know kind of with with that with that stereotype people have like motown and church music and barbecues and, and soul music and my dad was into you know there's this thing in 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 um in american music black american music called the quiet storm and it really think about like anita baker luther vandross uh music like that sort of just like real like like hardcore like r&b and soul from the 80s and my dad was really into that so like i just grew up in a house and grew up with a family that was just really just steeped in a lot of just sort of like classic black music the irony though is i liked it it was cool but growing up where i grew up so actually like i said i grew up in in hopacon in uh, Sussex County there the music was rock mm. so I actually grew up listening to a lot of like hair band stuff like uh, Megadeth and um, what's the band loving an elevator what uh forget the guns name of those guys uh yeah guns it's not guns of roses his uh, his the the live Tyler's dad his band Aerosmith I'm, I'm for Aerosmith thank you That's Aerosmith Aerosmith 
Aerosmith, uh, Bon Jovi, like okay, okay, that yeah. act. So you like basically have your parents with all that soul and the R&B, etc. And then you go into the world of rural New Jersey. And that's what's popular at that time. And so you have these kind of two worlds that are coexisting at once. Yeah, ex exactly, exactly. And now this is before, this is a few years before I even knew what hip hop music was. I didn't even know what it was at this point. Because we're talking, we're talking like early mid 80s. This um, is amazing. This is exactly yeah. why we start here. Because that's yeah, the context. Yeah, so clearly hip-hop's going on. Hip-hop is on the radio. Not to the degree that we know now. And it's funny, I'm an educator as well, so I talk to my students about that. And, you know, I tell them all the time, like, yo, when I was your age, and I want to be like to get off your get off your lawn, and I'd walk, you know, a thousand miles in the snow with my bare feet type of person and shit. But I would tell them, like, you know, <laughs> rap music was not, like, the music of the world when I was your age. Like, we sell rap. We use rap to sell everything. It sells your cell phone, sells your food. Everybody knows rap music. It doesn't matter what part of the globe you're in. That that is literally the very definition now of what like not even just music, but American culture, right? No, like the first thing you think of. That, I swear my right. Ukrainian colleague was complaining to me about how all the kids are listening to Russian trap out and about in public. And I'm like, man, it's everywhere, everywhere. Like everywhere, yeah. everywhere. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean you can take what rock and jazz did and multiply it by like ten thousand. Like in terms of just the influence and how it's just kind of like taken over and sort of defined what we as Americans are, right? So this is this is in the very early stages of it, and I'm young, you know. I'm not. I'm I'm a, I'm barely in second grade, so I'm just listening to whatever my friends are listening to, and whatever my parents and like my my elders have around me. So I was a skateboarder, so I was like riding my skateboard, listening to like rock stuff, but then like I also liked. Um, like, like like Huey Lewis in the news and like these were bands that like I like had the tapes Paul Simon Graceland was like an earth like this is because that's what I'm getting from like I said like just being being in my neighborhood and listening to MTV so rap hasn't even mm, entered so my you're part of like that like early MTV generation of people oh yeah for sure for for sure for sure and 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 again like this is this is before like I actually really kind of had my own I'd say musical taste, but these things were things that I was listening to and I liked. So, you know, my grandma had like the the, the, the old school classic, like I was talking to a friend of mine this weekend about it, like, you know, back in the day, you know, old folk used to have like the, 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 the record player, you know, slash tape deck slash uh, radio that was like a piece of fucking furniture, like the shit was as big as a couch. And like, you know, you could put your records in it. It was huge. So my grandma had that. And, you know, that's what she'd be listening to all day long. She'd put on her Motown records and be playing that. So when I'd be hanging out and doing stuff with my cousin and playing basketball, or like in the house doing whatever, watching TV, in the other room, she's playing all that. So I'm hearing all of that. In fact, I inherited like a whole bunch of her 45s when I went to college because she had stopped listening to, to, to records. Wow, so like when I went dope. off this... Yeah, when I went off to college, she gave me like this huge stack of like old 45s, like this classic, like this ton. That's all she, it was all Motown, no, no, nothing else, just all Motown records, all, maybe, maybe some Mercury, I think was in there, but, but yeah, like that's, that's, that's kind of what sort of like, was like the, the early kind of like DNA of what I listened to musically. And then like around like 10, before, before 10 or 11. Before we move on from that, 
was there yeah, other yeah, yeah. stuff happening? Because this is more about you as the complete human. Like, were you in athletics one? Were you into the drawings? Did you have other stuff happening in Yo. your world? Oh yeah, for sure. Well, like I was saying, I was I was I was really into skateboarding when I was right. when I was a kid. You know, I wasn't any good at it. I wasn't dope or anything like that. But like, I was definitely a skater and and, and was was doing that. I was I was I was in the sports. Um, but it's weird, man. Like, I'm I'm a definitely like I love soccer. You know, I'm I'm cool with basketball and, and shit like that. And I and I but I I never really I never considered myself a jock. Like to me, jock was sort of like a mentality, and, and, and I'm a stereotype a little bit. But like, growing up, jock was like the person that just wasn't really into anything other than themselves and being like cool for playing a sport. Like they didn't really have like a rounded. So I was a very like shy kind of nerdy kid. I, I read a lot. I was in the books, but yeah, for sure. I was writing. I was, I was, I was even trying to do like, even probably like closer to like nine or 10. I was trying to write poems. I was oh, that into is incredible. Yeah. And it's just because my, you know, like I said, my, my, my pops was a teacher. Uh, my mother, um, God rest her soul, she was uh, uh, she worked in in um, corrections, but she was really, 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 really intelligent. She had a master's degree in criminal law, so they both really encouraged my sister and I to do a lot of reading. Like, like I said, we're we're, we're I'm gonna take you back, man. We used to have in our house Encyc Encyclopedia Britannica. Now, now this is this this is making me sound old as fuck, but you know, before Wikipedia and the internet and shit. We used to have like this like 27, 28 volume encyclopedia set where the entire world was cataloged in these books. So if you wanted to read about giraffes or like geothermal energy or Ginsburg, you had to go into the Encyclopedia Britannica and look it up like a dictionary. So like I was really encouraged at a young age to sort of like explore and ask questions and look things up and research so that led me to writing and that led me to really being interested in like i was always in the biographies i don't know why i, I love to read about the lives of people and what they went through so history was really big so i was yeah i was i was very nerdy but i also was like i was i was active i was i was active at the same time and, and like i said these are all stereotypes honestly because like there's clearly brilliant brilliant athletes and, and people that are, are definitely super conscious and and, and aware well, I would argue and a great athlete. A i would say i've only ever heard the term jock used in one context and honestly my biggest frame of reference is the revenge of the nerd movie and my dad so it's really that's the 80s that's it but that's but that's that's so, like like would, 80s jersey uh, that's what it was I, at a, like a linguistic level though i would argue an athlete's a lot broader than just including a jock is like a subtype of athlete to me where you can oh yeah for sure exactly no agreed agreed then, but but I'm, I'm taking you into the mindset of like where mm, i was okay, at so, that at, yo, but that's at super that nifty that even that's the thing because like i only see it from like that perspective like i'm only born in 87 right so like right that's some shit I watched with my parents when they were feeling nostalgic. Word. So I saw a lot so, of that 80s stuff, but it's crazy. So you really, like the world was broken down like that in a sense where you almost had to pick your labels. Oh yeah, it was, it was super, it was super box compartmentalized growing up in like the 80s uh, for sure. But it's um, not just like you the know, 80s, it's, you're, you're one of the first people I've talked to honestly that's rural 80s but like not far from me which is so different mm. than say like urban 
is like the urban experiences tend to be more cosmopolitan and have a slightly different like tone to the labels thing where usually the artist in the urban area will have you know they've been exposed to a thousand things but then you have like your world where it's completely like like how far were you from like all the stores and the cities and shit? it was inconvenient to go do regular shit that i would have just taken for granted growing up in montreal oh i mean it was probably about an hour away oh my word i've never had that in my life <laughs> yeah but yeah so basically um, you have that world going on you're into writing you've got the music or you've got sorry you've got the writing you've kind of got a passion for history going on you've got access to all of this music and you're being encouraged to like discover the world um yeah the golden hour is making you glow that's amazing <laughs> Um, so yeah, I guess the next thing is to kind of segue a little bit with the story. So when does it start to like evolve when you get your own real preferences for music and you start to kind of take it from it's around you to you start to form it more around your identity? For sure. Uh, so yeah, so yeah, like I said, like around probably like 10 or 11, um, you know, like I mentioned earlier, you know, I used to hang out with my family a lot and my first cousin who really was like my brother. He was really like my older brother. And um, he actually introduced me to rap music. So like, there used to be a radio show called WBLS, 107.5, and uh, 98.7 KISS FM with Red Alert. And this is in, this is like mid, late 80s, like 87, 87, 88. And they used to have these shows late night. The only time you could hear rap on the radio was between 10 and like three in the morning, Fridays and Saturday nights, it's the only time. Wasn't on the radio any other time. MTV wasn't really playing rap videos, like video music box in our area, in the, in the tri-state area. Uh, shout out to Uncle Ralph, uh, VJ Ralph McDaniels. He used to have a video show that played rap, uh, rap videos. My cousin was into it and that was the thing whatever my cousin kind of was into he introduced me to and, and i kind of got into it so like he played one night we were listening to the radio he turns it on and all of a sudden um there's a song by a group called stop the violence movement started by krs1 mm. and the song self-destruction came on and it blew me away because i'd never heard anything that fucking hard and that fucking raw but also you know, I'm used to people singing, screaming, whatever. I'd never heard these cats. It sounded like they were, were spitting poems, but they were spitting it like rhythmically. And it was like over this like these hard ass drums and everyone sounded different. And there was like six or seven different MCs on that record. So I'm bugging out. Like it's, it starts out with KRS-One and then it, 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 I think it went into, um, I think it goes to MC Light, Kumo D's on that record. Uh, Sonics, like all of these like legendary artists that I didn't know. I didn't know any of these people when I heard the record, but they just sounded iconic. They just sounded like, who are you? What are you talking about? And it was just ill how they were just kind of like putting words together. And I was hooked. I heard self-destruction and all of a sudden it was like, I couldn't get enough, you know, whatever little, you know, allowance money I could get uh anytime my cousin I, in my first my first rap show i was 12 years old and we went to see twin hype mc light and the biz at a high school football field that was down the street from my grandma's and in the summertime i used to live there um it was basically like summer camp 
you know, my grandma would look after us for like a few weeks at a time. And we went to a rap, we went to a rap con. I was like 13 or 14 by myself, me and my cousin. Um, dude actually pulled out a shotgun in the crowd at the end of it. We all had to like fucking like jet. But like I was just fiending for rap music at that point. And at once, once around, yeah. So like around junior high um, is when I just started to just as much rap as I could get. Every time I would go to the store, just looking for tapes, you know, I started uh, recording the 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 radio shows every Friday and Saturday. I used to have like the double deck, uh, like boombox, like it looks like, basically, like this. Stop! Nobody's pulled down a boombox. That's a oh, first. Yeah. Oh yeah, but I but the one I had when I was a kid was doper than this one even. Well, not as dope, but this one is actually doper because you can actually record tape to MP3. But that's a that's another podcast. Uh, but but. Um, that's the shout out to my wife. That was a birthday gift for my wife. Yeah, that's um, as fuck. But I had like the, the old school big blaster two tape deck. You can dub one side and play the other. I was recording hours of radio shows of hip hop and just listening to it over and over and over again. Every time I get a tape, I get Big Daddy. Big Daddy King was a huge, 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 huge um, early influence on me and like kid and play. And I would just sit there in my room for hours and just play these records over and over again. Memorize. I had so many rap records memorized, dude. I had like 30 rap records, just like, not songs, like albums. Like I could fucking do the entire album, just like verbatim. Cause I just listened over and over and over again. It was crazy. Yeah, I, I, um, I respect that. That's that shit that when you're a teenager you do, and then you grow up and you wish you could replicate and it's way harder. Yeah, well now all of the, my own fucking songs are in my head, so I can't. I barely can't remember any other songs in my own. But uh, but yeah, that was that was that was that's when I really started to develop my own taste. And the funny thing was, is I didn't really stop listening to rock music. It just became more sophisticated what I was looking for, and I was looking for things that kind of had the same sort of like raw just feel because because once i got older i realized like a lot of the hair band stuff was kind of cheesy it was like it was just wild cheesy you know and you're a little kid so you're just like ah oh, okay now i'm like oh that's yeah this is this is kind of cheesy so i started to get into more stuff and then you know some of my friends who were like really like heads of rock were started putting me on this stuff like sepultura and tool okay um, yeah metallica stuff so like that you're getting into early hip-hop and early tool at the same time. Yeah, pretty much. And it, it, it's funny. I don't want to. I don't. I know you got a. I know you got a, a journey we're going on. But to fast forward, like nah, I when, when I started, when I started, like really studying the culture of hip hop and the history of it, I realized like how many overlays between like the punk movement yeah. um, in the eighties and hip hop had, and like so much of the ethos was very similar. Clearly, they came from different places. They had different influences. They definitely had different origins, but the same sort of like DIY, I don't follow the rules, I don't give a oh. fuck, I'm gonna make what the fuck I'm gonna make, which made sense when I realized like how many of those cats, you know, in the downtown scene in New York were just vibing with each other and like digging each other's stuff. So like I started to kind of pick up other, somebody's in my house, <laughs> other musicians and other artists yeah. that 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 were in that regardless of the of the genres i'll start getting to people like rage against the machine you know stuff like that um because i was looking for that i was looking for that just like no nonsense i don't give a fuck 
you know, just raw, like, sound. And I was trying to sort of, like, find how I could do that. Because that was a thing. Like, I'm, I was, I'm super conscious, right? Like, I'm aware that I'm some little kid from Jersey. You know, I'm, 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 I'm from basically a middle-class home. You know, both my parents college educated. They got, like, civil servant jobs. I, you know, my cousin's from the hood. My cousin's, like, straight out of Newark. Had a crew, all of that stuff. You know, like, my, 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 my uncle's into that. But that's not like my reality. And when I'm listening to these records, I'm seeing that reality on record. But I have like my own living reference because here's my cousin doing that shit and around that shit and showing me that stuff. So I'm like, I can't, I'm not that. So how do I, how do I rep? So for a long time, even though I love the music, I was really apprehensive about doing it. Because again, going back to stereotypes a little bit, rap to me was like, okay, it's street it's that's that's it that's the only thing and if you're not if you're not a hustler if you're not a player if you're not like just like a tough guy like you don't you have to be talking about those things and i didn't and i didn't understand that until i started to listen to native tongues and even though there was like kid and play in the, in the 80s kid and play was a little corny too kid and play was kind of considered sort of like a little a little kitschy like cats like ah they cool at all uh, it's funny how a lot of things have changed. Like they, they clearly were, they're clearly dope. I, I love them still, but it's funny how things like change over over time. But big facts. Yeah. Just ask yeah, anybody but, but, my age about the Backstreet Boys and watch how they flip scripts. There you go. But 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 basically, yeah. Like I, I, I really started to realize that like all you had to do to really be involved in hip hop and rap specifically was you just had to be real about who you were and you had to be nice. Like you had to have skills. You had to know how to have that gift of gab, understand how to connect with people, how to get people hype. But you didn't have to put on a front, like, well, I'm the toughest guy in the room. You just had to know how to, you just had to have game. You had to know how to use the language and have some rhythm um, and be interesting and tell a story. And if you could do that, and that's what De La Soul showed me, that's what Tribe showed me, um, it's like oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I was gonna ask about De La Soul because if I recall correctly, they were one of the first like early. We're just middle class dudes rappers. Yeah, on the on the on the low, they didn't make it. They 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 made it. They made it pretty clear. Like yeah, we're from Long Island, um, and we're not in. You know, we're not from that. But at the same time, they also made it feel like in De La Soul is dead. Like there's a cup. There's a couple of joints and skits where they make it clear like but don't play us we'll fuck you up though like <laughs> um which is the thing right because that's that's the one thing i learned growing up too like i wasn't a punk i wasn't a tough guy but you know, i wasn't gonna just let you just like walk all over me and i learned again i learned that from my cousin so like when we'd hang out you know cats hear how i talk or they saw what i was wearing and like oh we can get this dude and i had to kind of show him like no 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 bro like i'm i'm not i'm not from here but I didn't just show up yesterday. Like, don't fuck with me. And you get that respect. And I and those are the types of things I learned where it's like, okay, yeah, I don't have to I don't have to be cool G rap or or, you know, Freddie the Fox and, and bow up. I don't have to like look like I'm like on the block. I just have to really know who the fuck I am and just and make sure people understand like I'm not to be played with. And I can talk about whatever I want to talk about. The the biggest key though was you just had to be nice. You just had to. You had to have that that gift of gab. You had to know how to get in front of people, 
and 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 make them laugh or make like oh did you just hear what he said like all of that and like playing the, there's this this game called the dozens um and my cousin showed me that and just like you know honestly him him Yo, can him you break down the dozens i know what it is but just it'd be better if you break yeah yeah for, 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 for sure i mean basically the dozens is it's 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 it, 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 I'm, I'm taking some old school nigga now it, it's, it's basically like hiking like i'm gonna say some shit to kind of like clown on you to make fun of you i might be like yo bro like why you got like a pink hat on, man? You look like a fucking Stay Puft Marshmallow dude. Like, why are you over here looking like Bill and Ted and shit in the damn video? Like, this is wild. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you're not ZZ Top, bro. What's going on with the beard, dude? Like, like, and you would just, and it would, and it would be all friendly, right? You just go back and forth, like, oh, well, you Samuel L. Jackson looking motherfucker. Look at you, your beard half on, look like a fucking lawn and get watered and shit. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and you would just, and and the whole point was just like to get who's gonna get the best joke off. Right, mm. and it and and it, and it's it's changed a little bit over time, but it used to be, and this is kind of where freestyling sort of for me also kind of came into fork. It was sort of like the whole point, or or battling, I should say, the whole point was I got to talk about what's in front of me. It's not about me knowing your history or having some inside shit on you or like making up something. I got to look at you right in front of me and and basically break you down. And whoever does that the best basically wins, and that shit could go on forever. Like if you like, and my cousin was great. I wasn't. I wasn't honestly. I wasn't that great at it when I was a kid, but like, I got better with time because you had to. Because cats, you you get hiked on for hours. Like you might not. You just you might not get a word in for for two hours. Cats, if if they're really making jokes on you really bad, like it's bad. And you know, most of the time when you're hanging out, it's it's a mixed crowd. It's not just you and your boy. It's a girl you like. It's it's a it's a it's a dude you got you rivals with. So like you don't want to come off like whatever. So you got to figure out you got to figure out quick how to like get people off you. You know what I'm saying? And and and, sh and show that like you you're you 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 know you 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 can you can stick up for yourself it wasn't always about like okay i gotta fight you and and, and fuck you up sometimes it's just like i gotta show that you're not a clown that you're not that you that like you can't get picked with and that you had the wit to come back at somebody and get them off you because mm. that was the best thing in the world with someone you know they say something about your shirt like yo man you you got this pong shirt on in the fucking video man what the fuck you from 1972 bro and if i can flip that on you and get you off me. Oh, you talking about my dirty ass shirt, bro. But look at you. You don't even fucking have a shirt on. Oh, you know what I mean? It's like, now we're not talking about my shirt. We're talking about the fact that you don't got one on. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's and that, that type of sort of like mentality is something I had to like grow because that, that wasn't the environment that I was in and yeah, what, what like, I was uh, from. That's a big time knowledge nugget still. Sometimes it takes talking to the educator types to get that completely left field explanation that breaks the same shit down that the next 20 people can break down but just a bit differently but like sometimes you listen to like like if you ever go through the albums in the mid 90s like not the huge ones but most of the other ones yeah so like there's the one there's like 12 songs three of them will be about shit and like nine of them are talking shit but then if you think about it from the perspective of where it all comes from and how people develop their skills and if y'all spending hours upon end talking shit in the room it just makes sense that everybody's gonna be excellent shit talkers on wax um, but like that's like to me such a cool epiphany yeah 
Um, so yo, that, that's fascinating. So you're basically doing that throughout high school? Or yeah, that's 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 basically junior high through through high school. That's that's because it, it's funny. So my cousin, actually, unfortunately for him, his father passed when we were both. Well, he was he was twelve, and I was eleven. And my father, him being being his uncle, and, and it was his his brother, he moved with us. So my cousin lived with me during high school where we grew up. Where, where I or rather where I grew up and obviously you know my, 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 my the family on my father's side was relatively close so we were always still going back to Newark and yeah you know I had a car so you know we're going and doing whatever um, so we so he never lost his connection to Newark and through him I never really it was interesting man like I and I think this is one of the reasons why I was so quick to move and and really had a strong so like a lot of people why I grew up it's kind of what we were talking about before we got on like you're saying like you know some places sort of have sort of like a low self-esteem because you know they, they just kind of stay in one place that's the town I grew up in in my town you were doing it if you like graduated high school maybe went to the to the two-year school two-year college came back bought a house in the same town you grew up in and just got like a local job like that was making it that was making it big or if you like started a business but you that was like that was it the idea of you like oh i'm gonna i'm gonna go live in seattle you know and and i don't know be a park ranger or or i'm gonna i'm gonna go and become an actress and live in austin texas and do like dinner theater and try to become like a tv star and go to la like people people in my town a lot of them didn't really their imagination didn't go that big it was mm -hmm. sort of like i'm just trying to graduate high school and like maybe take over like the family business or like i'll go get like a good job so then i can go to like the local bar and i can just sort of be like the the, the, the dude and i was never in that i was like this shit is small as shit, fuck eh? like that's yeah a whole this, like i know it exists like my, my best friend comes from that so like small town Quebec like that so he was describing it really similarly like that but like that must be how do you break out of that then how do you get the kind of ambition to be like that's not me you know what man I'll be honest with you I wish I absolutely knew for me so here's the big thing right it's clear I'm a black man I grew up in a very racist I grew up in a very racist white town okay um, in the 80s and the 90s. So a big part of it was me trying to just get the fuck away from just sort of the small-mindedness of that, the ignorance of that. I have so many so many instances of, of ha being jumped because I was black, being told, like, I couldn't date your daughter because I was black. So, like, for me, a lot of it was just associated with, like, this, this small-ass town is so fucking ignorant. I want to go and find places everybody can't be this fucking ignorant i gotta go somewhere else i can't stay i can't stay here i don't know where but also like i said i i, I read a lot listening to music so i i just wanted to go where that was so like i said i i wrote i was into poetry so i fell in love with like the beats when i was in high school so i completely romanticized like the lower east side in new york and then i was fortunate because i'm in jersey so it's literally you know an hour by car or once you have a car, trying to trying to trying to get to the city doesn't seem so far away. When you're in high school and you can't drive yourself, 
or you're a little ass kid and like there's no public transportation new york feels like it's halfway across the country when you're 18 years old you got a car and time an hour drive that ain't shit i used to do that dude i so 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 i also got into electronic music i was in the house music because of the radio when i went to college i started to go to the limelight in new york the tunnel twilight I used to go to clubs and I got into raves and outlaws. So at that point, once I was in college, man, I was driving all up and down the Eastern Seaboard. I was going to Massachusetts for raves. I was going to DC for, I was driving, I was driving three, four hours one way to get to a rave at like 11 o'clock midnight, party all night till like six in the morning, then get in the car and drive right back to wherever I was, like at the time, I guess my first party rave was like when I was a summer, right before I went to college. So I was still at home. So I was driving back to Jersey. When I went to college, I went to college in upstate New York. Then I was going from upstate New York. I used to get like parties on, on party buses and go to like three day festivals in Ohio, Canada. Like I would go all over the place. Cause I was, I was, I was looking for, I was, I was looking for people. I was looking for experiences. I wanted, I, I, there was something about reading these poets and listening to this music and how limiting my space was. It I, Something inside of me was like, I need to find better people. I need to find cooler shit. It, um, and I, I just wanted to do more. I just, I just wanted, I just wanted to do more. And there was a couple of people in my town like that, but I don't, I don't, to be honest with you, I don't know because one of my closest friends to this day, we've been friends for 30 years. And and he definitely doesn't have like a small town mentality, but he never moved. Yeah, and he's a, he's a college professor now and he never moved. He was very content being, like he didn't have that impetus, like I'm gonna go around the world and, and travel. He didn't really have that, but he's seen the world, he's done stuff, but like he never really, he never really had this desire to kind of like leave where like I was chomping, I couldn't, I couldn't wait to go. And I, and I didn't want to just like uh, so go and come back. I was like, I'm going to go. Yeah. I know what a party bus is. Cause one time I tried to go clubbing on new year's Eve and I failed hard, but I ended up standing in line all night with some people who were party busing. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, well, so uh, yeah, let me clarify that. What's the party that. bus situation? Like, just like what, I mean, just yeah. the environment well, of what, cause it's the early nineties, which are right, yeah. right. Which is so this, to be so this, fair, yeah. a lit time to be raving. What's it like? So, 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 so the party buses I'm on is a little bit different than what probably a lot of people. It wasn't a party bus where like a whole bunch of people were like drinking mm -hmm. and and stuff like, like a, that. You would travel and then go to the yeah. Festival. It was just yeah. It was just a bus of ravers. It was just a bus of ravers that were all from one area. Like a good friend of mine, he would actually. There's this huge. There used to be these huge raves in D.C. that were legendary, and what he did was he chartered a bus. And a whole bunch of us that lived in the upstate New York area at the time, we all just like chipped in like 20, 25 bucks, like 60, 70 of us, and just got in the bus to go together. Because rave was a very community thing. Like you didn't go by yourself really. Like it was yeah, about being with a, to with do a that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know what it is. So like <laughs> it was like you go with a crew. You go with as many people that you can you can get. You definitely at least go with like three or four people. That's just this how it is. You got to check for each you other. Unless you buy yourself with a girl, and then that's a whole different vibe. Yeah, that's a different thing. That's a different thing. But even then, you got to be. And, and I'm and I'm raving. Mid late '90s, New York City, 
outlaws. So shit was shit was hectic. There was all types of like drug crews that was like stick up kids robbing people at raves. All types of shit you'd get in. So you had to you had to kind of roll with so people. You said y'all blitzed and it's scary. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That sounds harder yeah. than what I had to deal with. <laughs> yeah. But 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 you know I'm again all of this is hindsight. When I'm 19, it shit was just fun as hell. I wasn't even thinking about the danger. There, dude. You know what? If yeah, I so imagine there was danger. Shit could have been going on in my face, and I wouldn't have seen it. I was man. Listen, so 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 imagine so imagine this. Imagine like one black kid in the car. I'm driving. Three, four other like white kids, white girls, white guys. My one of my closest friends hardcore dealer like sheets and sheets of lsd in the car bags of e-pills we're driving up and down the interstate like nothing i'm not even i'm like i don't even think i'm do, I'm, I'm fucking basically i'm the drug runner bro, yeah, <laughs> I'm like, like, bro i'm like you're spitting bars right now that i've heard in griselda tracks but but it but the funny thing about it is like it but it but it's not because like I'm such a fucking like I wasn't thinking I'm moving weight I'm like we're going to the rave and my friend's gonna do what he does I'm not thinking I'm getting money I'm not I'm not like yeah man I'm, I'm just like I'm the one with the car and I and now this is gonna fuck your mind up I at that time was essentially straight edge to this day I've never had an e pill ever what? or LSD ever not yeah. one time. Not one time. I weed, yep, smoked weed, definitely in the shrooms, but didn't do anything hardcore. At that point I wasn't even drinking. So that was another thing too. Like everybody loved me because one, I was sober at the end of the night. But two, there was sort of like a spiritual thing this that used to happen. This explains how you could drive four hours after raving all night. This explains yeah, as long as it had so much. Yeah, as long as I had some coffee, because I definitely fell asleep at the wheel more than once. So, the, so, so fatigue will get you. But yes, I was, I was sober. But the funny thing was, is like you don't realize the inherent danger. All it would have taken was, and I, and I, we have actually had gotten stopped before. I'd actually gotten stopped before. One time, my car broke down on the Garden State, so the state troopers had to come and like help us with the car. I had, dude, there were so many drugs in that car, like. And in my brain, I wasn't even sweating it because this is this is the naivety of being 19, 20 years old. I'm like, well, I'm not breaking any laws like they're just helping us because the car like there's no reason for. And mind you, black kid like 1998, like n just naive to like just just this utter this utter belief that like good existed and I wasn't doing anything bad. So then nothing bad would happen to me or like, like total and nothing did. Thank God. Somebody was looking after me. Someone was looking after me. But like, I think about all the shit now, like I'm in my forties now and I'm just like, yo, that shit was crazy. I used to break in this places to fucking set up outlaws. There was one time we were in Philly. There was this old abandoned psychiatric ward and it still had like uh rent a cops on it to protect it. We like hit out and broke into this like whole like campus and set up like an underground party. And we had already told people like the situation of like how to get to it and like, and had all these checkpoints and stuff. So we had runners that were like, basically like some underground railroad shit, like leaving the inner sanctum of this campus, sneaking back out to the area where we told people to wait and then like guiding them in, in and around the security. And we, we snuck like 80 people into this like campus and partied there. 
full sound system, like full, like not a boombox, like a full ass like stack turntables, the whole fucking shit. And we did that shit to like seven in the morning. And the hilarious thing is, we got busted at the end, but we got busted with everything outside. So like someone called the cops by the time the people showed up, they saw all the records, they saw like equipment, but we weren't on the, we weren't on the property anymore. So they couldn't really do anything, but they knew something had happened. It was like, I don't know what you guys, mm-hmm, I don't know what you, I don't know what you, we're, go, we're doing something else. But again, like I'm sitting there like, well, we're not on your stuff. So you can't, you can't do anything. What are you gonna do? I have so many, so many memories, shit like that. But it was just like wild. Yeah, that was an incredible story. I don't know what other <laughs> incredible stories you have like that, but that's the kind of incredible story a motherfucker needs to hear what the fucking underground movement looks like. Cause that's some sh- yo. But something I saw happen, just like on the idea of raving. My brother got involved as a DJ in Montreal in like 2012. around that era he did it for like three years now montreal has a pretty had i don't know the current state of it but it had a very solid underground rave scene as in like abandoned buildings fields like they knew Mm -hmm. it there was ninja code shit saw this other crap about like how they go participate in this i'm gonna be real that shit was litty then it went corporate like real like proper venues not the same it is not the vibe like because you can't smoke inside that's a huge thing can't smoke inside it's just not the same party um that's weird that's <laughs> because like they passed the the no smoking laws and like oh five, no i right? know no i know so, i mean i'm happy like, for it now but like that's that that's weird for a party like you, there's just no way you could have a party so back like, then if you couldn't smoke inside well i mean like that's it like you're like yo i can't i mean we're talking about like like let's just say you, you might want cigarettes more than other moments in your life kind of thing it's yeah. just not a good it's not a good look for like the whole vibe versus the outside shit's lit though outside raves are fucking incredible like a nighttime yeah. bonfire type situation that shit's fucking amazing but then everyone's so like clubs and bars and i'm like this is not the same so like to yeah. hear about this underground experiences to me is just so cool like how do you replicate that now not to encourage people to break the law definitely not try- uh, but how do you replicate well- that kind of shit you know can I be can I be honest with you? I don't know if you can full scale because one the mentality is different. Mm. Like the whole idea about so the whole point in the 90s of doing things was to your point anti corporate. It was counterculture. You weren't trying to have everyone be about it. It was really for the people that were like into it. And if you were into it, then you understood the rules, you understood the code. You, there was a, there was a whole like philosophy behind it, and you were a, a particular type of person. But with all of that said, and this is this is with everything, any 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 musical or cultural movement, it's fun. It's fun to dance. The music was it's in it it's infectious. So you and you see people having a good time. So you naturally want to do that too you can enter into it and not really have to kind of like really understand why this core group of people were here or started it and then over time that changes so i think now the whole point of us throwing outlaws and 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 and, and to be real to be 100 percent real about it the time that i was going i was doing both like i said like i was going to limelight twilight tunnel but even clubs were different back then because there were nights where it was just like it was about sort of more of that that hardcore sound or hardcore style 
but the but the real shit was really happening yeah in like warehouses under bridges in the middle of the woods breaking into spots but like now it's become more mainstream now it's like acceptable part of the reason why we had to do that is because if you were a raver that was like a bad thing like cat like you were like it was like a punk it was like a punk in the 80s you didn't walk around with a bad sense you were a punker because like people would think you were a fucking vagrant or they think you're a criminal or they think you're like oh you don't do shit with your life you just fucking sit around and do heroin and fucking smoke weed and shit you fucking punk like you don't have a fucking job like it wasn't a it wasn't something that like if you weren't in that culture or one of those types of people it was looked upon so you stayed you're like well fuck you i'm not i'm not here to be you right it was all counterculture Yo, the minute so things kind of get larger yeah the minute things get larger it loses that so then it's like and there's pluses to that to a degree depending on how you look at it because okay well now it's accessible now more people can hear it you know now instead of struggling if you're an artist or someone that's making these things happen you can make a living out of it but the trade-off is that that rawness that edge it's gone and you can't really get it back so there, I'll say all this to say that. I'll say I said all of that to say this. People are still throwing outlaws today. Mm. It still happens. It just it's just not the commonplace. And there's there's fewer people. But I but I I will say that whether it's rave, techno, hip hop, rock music, whatever it is, there's always going to be sort of like a counter culture. There's always going to be a rebel to it that's looking to push it to the next thing so once even once it's established there's some kid there's some group there's some person out in the middle of nowhere fuck that's like you know what fuck this shit i'm about to make this shit raw again and i'm gonna flip it or like i'm gonna come up with something else and then that becomes the thing mm. um everybody doesn't realize if you're not really close to it, it's like at one point jazz was not the established respected Americana thing. It was the hoodlum music. It was sex and drugs and violence. That's that's the roots of obviously, you know, the black experience and the things that we go through as a people. But like the 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 what the the culture in and around it, it was yeah, it was, was for the counter. A lot of weed and cocaine back in those twenties. A lot of heroin but but again it was it was be, it was because it was it was coming out of a struggle and when people struggle and go through things you have those types of things to feel alive to survive to get through your day whatever it is and the music and the culture the the bonding is part of that so like i'm simplifying it a little bit cuz we're like on a podcast and like the whole nah, anthropology discussion everything but, about this is fire you don't understand this is the show we get knowledge yeah. nuggets yo honestly <laughs> no doubt like the whole but, world but, benefits but, from that kind of context. Like just think about what you're saying. So if you want to create a cultural phenomenon, first of all, it has to be like counterculture. So it has to look at the mainstream and not be that. Second, it has to not be cool because otherwise it'll never attract anyone. So you have to effectively be dorky in a sense, not like dorky, like cool to people, but like dorky to society. You, you um, have to be different. You have to be different. And like literally like fucking just go out there and break yo there's a lot that people can take from it i have a theory where the future of music's a lot more underground cultural phenomenons making a lot less money but sustainable money and mm -hmm. a lot less millionaires 
So the people who can figure out how to crack this cultural phenomenon code of how to actually get a bunch of people into what the fuck you do are in for a much better time. So I'm so fascinated by that topic. Yo, I'm I'm gonna I'm use I'm gonna use a cliche analogy, man. You know the Matrix. This is the seventh anomaly that we've seen. Like, culture is always reinventing itself, and it is always evolving. And the moment, like you 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 hit it when you said this earlier. Like, don't be cool. <laughs> the early no, for real. But 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 hear me out. Check check. Peep I game. Love, I love this. it. I love it. But peep but peep game. The early jazz heads bluesmen punkers they weren't interested in being popular they weren't interested in people following them they were doing it out of a necessity out of the need to feel alive out of the need to be like fuck you that's not cool but again when you hear the sounds and the rhythms and you and and people people gravitate even if they're not real they gravitate to real shit you know what I'm saying? You relate to real shit, even if you're not real. And when I mean real, I mean honest, authentic, yourself, different. You're not like, dude, you're on your podcast right now, chilling, hardcore. You got a joint in your hand. You got a fucking, you know, uh, fucking tee on and a fucking pink kitty hat. You don't give a fuck. Because you know who the fuck you are. You know what you vibe with. We bring that everywhere we go. You know what I'm saying? Right. You don't, you're not, you're not, you're not interested in like, well, what's the cool shit I should wear being like a fucking podcaster? Like maybe I need to show, I need to give off like the fucking like mad broadcast. Like you're like, no man, I want to tell a fucking story. I want to hear dope stories and I want to share that with people and I want to fucking chill out and cool. Right. So like, that's that's different. Right. That's different. And, and, and in and people gravitate to that yeah, it's fucking, more so than they you know gravitate to other shit for me it's baffling when people are telling me that now because i had like go through corporate america right it's not the same right. as the academic world i mean maybe it is a bit but like mad it's mad conformity talk right like i've been mm-hmm. told to cut my hair to the point where it's been made clear to me i'd probably make more money by cutting my hair which is ironic to actually say in 2021, right? Like, that's an ironic Right, right, right. <laughs> anyway. Right, right. That's what they all complained about. I digress. Um, <laughs> right? It's those people. They're the ones yeah, yeah, that yeah. are in charge. Anyway. Um, but, like, yeah, I don't know. I just, I had this vision of myself looking like this one day, and I was like, I fucks with how I look. I don't give a fuck right. what other people think. I mean, I care a little bit because nobody likes the shit that's negative that comes with it, but, like, it would be ideal if people were maybe sometimes less critical if they didn't know me. But at the same time, it's like superpowers. People just underestimate me like day in, day out. It's so fucking helpful. And that's, and that's man, that that is that is a great weapon to have. When yeah. people underestimate, they take a look at you and they're like, you're not a threat. It's like, I'm the motherfucker about to take your whole shit. You won't even realize it. Oh, we don't got to worry. We don't got to worry about that show. Look at these fucking cornballs. I'm the motherfucker that's going to get the ratings and the sponsors because my shit's official. Bro, we got top 10 podcast Montreal fucking according to the fucking call Montreal. It blew my fucking mind. For like nine years, I wanted to be on that list for anything. I don't give a fuck. It could have been like best hot dog if I became a hot dog guy because that shit matters to like regular people. 
And then I wasn't expecting it. I made one fucking Facebook post, dude, and it was to vote for the next man's. Because fuck, never say vote for me. Vote for the next man's and throw yourself in as a postscript. Uh, yo, shout out Willie. I'm pretty sure it was Willie where I fucking linked up with you. So that's why I wanted to shout out Willie real quick. Was, um, oh, no doubt. And uh, yeah, then enough people vote. It could have been nine people. I don't fucking know how easy it is to get spot 10 on this list. But the fact is it happened, and that was the most beautiful shit. So in a lot of ways, I empathize heavy with what you're saying. It's baffling to me, though, because it's so contrary to the advice of how to succeed. Like, when I watch how, like, how to succeed videos, and then I apply it to my real-life marketing experience, which I was gifted with via day job land, it's like, bro, everybody's giving the shittiest advice. Because if everybody listened to what everybody's saying, none of y'all going to sell shit. And I watch the advice, Thusly. and you see, like, anyway, it's like a huge topic. A lot, a lot but, of this like, bullshit. But it's also like <laughs> the one thing they don't tell you is how Kendrick was a ghostwriter for seven years. I didn't even know that. Seven oh, years, ghostwriting, did a lot of his shit. Seven years behind the scenes, putting in work before anybody even let him do Section Eighty. Didn't even know that. A lot of that kind of parts of the stories get overlooked to me. And that's why I love doing this. Like, in your case, check you out. You've already got this, like, knowledge shed of memorizing albums going on at, like, an early early phase of life, dude. And you gotta, like, you might not register that as clocking your 10,000 plus hours, which is probably more like 30K if we're being real, um, of, like, practice. And you're putting that in at that age. So when you come later on in life and certain things are more natural, nobody's saying when you were, like, 10 memorizing rap albums that was experience points towards the skill set of being an excellent MC and performer later on in life and these are the nope. kinds of connections I wish people would see life is like Skyrim it really is the skill tree in Skyrim is the most real life shit I ever saw in a video game that inspired me oh shit well, well you know it's funny man what you just said is exactly why I found myself also becoming an, an educator and, and really working with young people, mostly high school, college age, many of them who wanted to be artists because yeah, when I was younger, it wasn't until I was probably like late 20s, early 30s that I realized like, oh shit. Cause I, the, uh, check this out. I used to, and actually hold on one second, I'm gonna turn this light on so I'm not like in the, in the dark, hold on. Yeah, the golden hour has ended. <laughs> should be a little bit better um when i first moved to new york in 2000 and i was doing it before but when i moved to new york and i started going out and i realized the level that i stepped into which was way the fuck above my head um shouts out to ill spoken and freestyle mondays mariella and the crew chris kuzmi um Shut all up, those peace. guys um you know like I was writing a song or a verse at least a day and not just like any random ass song or verse. I was like giving myself challenges. I'm like, okay, I got to write 30 bars of this rhyme scheme. I got to write a verse telling a story about this. I got to do like a rap personifying this and just writing them, writing them saying them because i knew every monday it's it, it's for freestyle but i needed to be 
like in a mode of thinking and being able to just like really get it in. And because I grew up like right outside of New York and being in Newark, like when I was a kid, when I was in, in high school, you know, I'm, I'm going to Newark at the time when like Red Man's blowing up, when Queen Latifah's blowing up and it, Newark is not a big city. So it's just like, you feel that it's so, it's so, the, the energy's so close and you feel that. So like, you're like, yo, I'm trying to do that. You know what I mean? It would be like if you if you grew up in Akron, Ohio, and you went to the same high school LeBron goes to and you played ball, you're like, oh, that's what I gotta do to be on. So whether I reach LeBron or not, I might not grow to be six foot eight and 240 pounds ripped. I might stay five foot eight and a pudgy ass 170 pounds. But in my brain, I'm like, well, I gotta work out. So I'm in New York around all of these amazing, talented musicians and MCs, and I'm coming from a place where like, where I was from, I was like the best MC. Like it wasn't even close, but there wasn't that many MCs and it's a small ass town. And then when I went to college, I met my crew, shout out to ESP and they're super dope. And we were probably the illest on our campus, but it was a campus in Poughkeepsie, New York and New Paltz. Like, it's not really a lot going on there. So like you get to a place like New York City and you do one of two things. You see the level and you go, you turn your ass right around. Yo, I've been in New York for 21 years and I've seen so many people roll up like I'm the shit and then step on that stage or step in that club and walk right the fuck out. They're like, yeah, yeah, bro, this is a different, it's a different thing right now. Like, and if you're not ready to take your lumps and be like, you realize, you, you find out like I knew in the first two years, I was like, I'm not that dope. Like, I was like, I'm, I'm like, I'm not that dope. And I'm, and, and, and mind you, I'm winning contests in Poughkeepsie. I'm performing at bars in college with my crew. I come to New York, I'm like, I'm not that dope. I'm, I'm, I'm listening to cats that are here. I'm like, wow. I'm like, abundantly clear to me that. Yeah, it's like, it's I'm in a different if game. I come to my, New York is that, and you best be ready for that. So to hear you describe it like that is truly wonderful to me. Well, here's what's fucked up about a place like New York. You can say that about Chicago, the A, uh, Austin, LA, any big city. It's in everything. You think you're a dope ass chef? Come to fucking New York. You ain't that dope. You you fucking you you tap. Come to New York. You ain't that dope. You design websites. Come to New York. And I, because the best of the best from everywhere else Come to New York. comes to cities like New York. Comes to cities like D.C., Atlanta, Los Angeles. So if you come through like I'm the shit. I'm from Rochester, son. I run that shit. Or like I'm from Hopakon. I run that shit. You're like okay. Well, guess what? Everybody here is a triple plus two and they've been here or they're from here and they're literally running and working so i showed up like oh i gotta be writing every day i gotta rap every fucking day i gotta i actually like it became obsessive and i never thought about it until i did my first and i, I was recording and doing records and i had my crew esp and then my next crew third party shouts out the third party but i was always like i can't I can't chill. I gotta write. I gotta fucking record. I gotta rap. I gotta rap in front of everyone at any moment because 
those first couple of years, I'm like, I can't hang. If I'm going to do this, if I'm going to make myself into something, I'm not at the level. And I got that. So you do one of two things. You either do what I did and you go, okay, got to go to the gym. Got to gotta get on my stick. Got to take those lumps. Got to be at the bottom. Got to be last. Get the 10th. Get the 8th. Get the 3rd. Get on top. Or you turn your ass around and you leave and you go back to wherever the fuck you came. And I knew a lot of people like that, man. They would show up, be here for a year, two years maybe, be out. Couldn't couldn't, couldn't do it because a, a lot of it, I mean, it's, it's tough living in New York anyway, but a lot of it was sort of like they were used to being the top dog. And you come here and it's like, you, you, can, you, you can think you're going to be the top dog, but you're going to have to prove it. And there's always somebody coming in with that mentality so like mm. it's it's the it's it's the it's the it's the gauntlet it, it's the gauntlet so that's you're where it's always different. being tested so it's the fact is it doesn't matter like you'll never get to chill whereas in other places you might get to chill you can you can get to the top of the hill in a small town you can get to the top of the hill even in a small tried. city sometimes the right time to respond so dj unpaid bills is uh waiting for me to respond because he wants to get oh me. shit unpaid that's the that's the crew no the crew can't that's... come on the car now but the crew can have an interview in the future and say what he's got to say then oh but, yo um, what up bill so so check it out so me and bill so so bill is is someone i've known for almost 30 years now i met him in college and he was, he wasn't my first roommate, but he was my only roommate. And he was a DJ, or he is a DJ, excuse me. And check, so so this is, this is you, you'll love this story. So how we met was, he was living in another Norman freshman in the freshman side of campus. And I was in a, and I was in a completely separate dorm. We weren't a crew at this point. And he's hanging out outside. And I don't know what was going on or somebody was playing something. But I roll up on my skateboard and I see these cats. And it's your freshman year, so you're kind of just sort of like going around campus and you just and you're you're young. You just jump into shit. And he was with his people. Access to what he was playing something. He was playing something on a tape deck. He was playing something that he had. I don't remember if one of his beats or something he was gonna sample, but he played it, and I just started rapping. Like I just started fucking flowing. And he's like, "You rap?" And I was like, "Yeah." He's like, "Come with me." <laughs> go to his room and he plays a bunch of shit that's ridiculous but then he like pulls out this tape and he's like yo check this shit out and he plays this ill like Frank Zappa sample he's like no one's no one's no one's heard this shit before and we just fucking we hit it off man we just kicked it for like I think we saw the sun come up and we just started playing records and he's playing me shit and he had his turntables and we just bonded and we became for a really brief period the two-man team that was our that was our crew name and like maybe like a month or two after that we ended uh, up meeting the rest of our crew so y'all for real reals were like a real real dj rapper lineup like oh yeah 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 bill bill is a ridiculous uh dj and a dope producer Bro, and Bill. yeah he's he's super dope and you know he was just in college like i was in college and he'd come from a place called somers new york another small town and that was a lot of the bond too like both of us came from a lot of the same like background mentality so even though he was like this tall lanky white irish kid and i'm like this short black kid a lot of the things that we dealt with and grew up in 
were really similar. So we built not only just about music, we just built about everything. Like we, we just had the same energy and mentality about people and life. So it was just like really easy for us to bond. But like that, that first, that first spark was he was playing some shit, and I was like, oh, I'm like, I gotta spit to this. And he's like, oh, you rap? I'm like, yeah. And we just hit it off. And then like a couple months after that, um, we met this kid named Todd Desham, AKA DJ Mayday. Um, and his best friend who he grew up with, they went to college together, this kid Ryan Chanelli, AKA Luck D. And they were a crew called Tactics. They were they were like best friends from like growing up, from like the, the crib basically. And it was the same shit. Like there was a open mic talent show that the college was having. We were the only two rap groups and we went on and they went on and we were both like, hold up, <laughs> wait, you're kind of dope. Oh, you're dope. So we started kicking it and it, it was almost like the same exact thing. Like we went back to, to Todd's uh, dorm with his, with his boy, with Ryan, and we just started kicking it. And like instantaneously, like we were just all inseparable. Like from that point forward, we just ate all of our meals together. When we weren't in class, we were either in, Todd's room or they were in our room and we were just playing records, making records and just having fun really. Like there wasn't, there wasn't like a like, okay, we're about to blow up. It was just like, we all got each other and we all really loved music, especially hip hop music. And we just, and we just vibed and we were just on the same shit. And like I said, this is, I'm still, mind you, I'm going to raves. I'm actually emceeing drum and bass. I'm- Yo, that's hype. Yeah, I'm doing all types of shit. They don't, they're not even into that. They're they're in fact, Todd and Bill like were huge reggae heads. Like if they weren't DJing parties with hip hop, they were like DJing reggae parties. They were like doing reggae. Like that's so we 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 all had our own. We were all our own people. We were all very different, but we like we bonded and connected on some like really like family shit, political shit, growing up in the same way, and and having the same or a similar outlook on it but we just to this day like like we, we have a chat we'll be we'll just be texted back and forth just like throwing each other like yo you hear this record you hear this record like yo you gotta listen to this thing. all types of shit it just it's just it's just the same type of like like bond connection but it's like we were saying earlier man like bill was just somebody that was just different like he thought different like he just did different yeah you know? and it was you got mad yeah, at me and, for not answering fast enough different <laughs> Yeah, he, he he probably just jumped. he he's not usually on the internet like this. So like, yeah, he shout out TJ on Bayfield one more time. That's fucking cool. You got a whole like yeah. That's that's that that that's that's my man, hundred grand man. That's that's my boy, man. I love him to death. He's 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 my brother, man. So so yeah, man. Like so it's you crazy know, it's, how like organic your shit is, right? You just like we're just in this era where as you're coming up, people aren't trying to be famous. People are just like mad excited. I mean, to like I mean, some people are. Don't get me twisted. Yeah, some people are. But now, some I would are say that to the ratio of people getting involved in something like this within the back of their mind, a desire to pop off has changed. Yeah. No, yeah, I, I think, I, you know what? I think, you know what I think it is, Holden? I think, and I don't want to over-romanticize it, and I'm only one person, but I'll say to your point, I think the time that I came from it was a lot harder to quote unquote blow up. There was a lot of things that needed to kind of fall into place for you to become big and famous. But the internet, social media, technology, like 
we had to spend thousands of dollars just to get a professional mix of a record. But then there was a you know much I mean? higher chance you were going to flip that shit for $10. It's, yes and no, because there was still a lot of cats making music, and we didn't have, like I said, Bill's from Somers, New York. I'm from Hopacon, New Jersey. And we, the ethos that we had was we're not going to front like we're not from there. Like, we're not going to be like, okay, we're tough. Or, like, we're badasses. Like, we're going to talk about the shit that we know and the shit we love. So, by that point, in the mid to late 90s, yeah, there's an underground movement and there's independent, there's, like, Raucous Records and Quantum and, and all this other shit. But rap now is being dominated by, like, top 40, you know, Puff Daddy, you know, Southern shit. So, like in order to like get on and get a record played on the radio or like get a video made, you needed hundreds of thousands of dollars. You needed to be signed by a label and you weren't really just like now. I mean, I have, if, if I were to turn my computer around, my wife's a singer, a producer as well. Um, we have a studio. We make our own albums. You know what I mean? Like I shout out to my man, Willie Green, Core Rhythm. You know, dope MCs, dope musicians, but they're also engineers and they're homies. I can just go like, all right, cool. I don't have to go rent a studio. I just call one of them up. I'm like, yo, you got time? Like, this is the timeline. Here's here's some shit. You know, let's 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 set it up so you can kind of like mix this shit. You can you can have your own industry without having to like, you know, be, basically go through a lot of middle people. So. So Which it was sort of like true. Yeah, there is a, There is the yeah. flip side to that just because there is that perception of it. My perception is the barrier entry solo that 17 year old on his phone is able to compete with me with my gear. And that puts an entirely different um, threshold where 100,000 views is meaningless in a world where 100,000 views once meant success. So the target of success has gotten so much higher in an inflationary way where it's effectively the same thing. No, I, yeah, exactly. And and, and and that's that saturation you're talking about, right? And it's it also, it, I almost feel like I wanna ask you, like how, how many people have a real, say, like million subscribers? Like how much of that is an actual, like grind out, like I, you know, I did a whole bunch of episodes and I had strategy to like connect to this influencer that got me to these groups of people. And how much is that bought? And how much of that is just genuine? Like I had a really dope concept or a really dope story and I knew how to flip it and I, I had the strategy um, to network. I think it's always going to be the same thing where talent is a very much a small perception of it. But I think you can get out of paying for advertising per se, but there's always a cost and you're going to pay with time slash creativity. You're going to pay with money, but it's probably a hybrid of the two. But I don't believe there's such a thing as big time success without a lot of compromise and a lot of effort put into finding a place in the market. Like Drink Champs was like, yo, nobody gives flowers. Let's give flowers. Boom. That's a whole niche. Joe Rogan was like, I'm going to bring on controversial people and pretend I'm fucking equal and whatnot. Whatever. We see through them now. <clears throat> Joe Budden was like, I'm Joe Budden. And that was enough in his case. But that came with what? Love and hip hop, mixtapes, drama. But you know, like, so like, 
the answer to the question is I think people follow interesting things and to be interesting is fucking complicated in this world and the scale up is going to require treating anything more like a business than like an art project but you have to create art projects but then treat the rest of it so if you want to be independent at least you can go get signed if you don't want to run that shit you know what I mean like that's like the right. trade off so at that point it's like you find a lot more of your choices are driven by like should be driven by community I think if everyone really wants to figure it out it's how do you create it like how did hot wings really create a fucking community around chicken wing fanatics but they did fucking were the hot ones or whatever the chicken wing show interview show like yeah 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 it's such a stupid gimmick but it was so regular who the fuck doesn't like hot you know in the back of your mind you're like I kind of want to go on that shit so to me, the answer to your question is really find a way to make people want to be involved. Like, they want to feature on your music. So they feel excited at that idea. How do you make people feel excited to feature with you? How do you make pe people feel excited to be on your show? So I tried to create an experience that was almost therapeutic in the way that we go through your life. So that when you leave here, you're left with this feeling of, fuck that, I want to come back on that shit. That's all I care about on my show. And I feel like, as long as I make sure my guest is cool with it, they enjoy the experience, then they're just gonna tell people I'm dope and that's all I really need because their opinion's fucking dope. And So it's a lot of that, but yo, this is like years of failure. I used to be like egocentric with it. It used to be about myself. And then I realized I went like seven years, never even said Montreal. And I'm like, that's weird. This is a team sport shit. And I'm not even repping my own team. So I had to like go through all these epiphanies to realize you have to tap into your local community and find a way to provide value. And all the famous people I've seen, all the brands that succeeded did this like sort of things. But then if you take it back to what you did, none of those people were cool or none of those people. So it's like, I try to combine these elements in my head to, to create a formula that I can teach people on how to fucking take their brands and actually run it. The thing is, is it's going to work because 95% of people are going to flat out fucking ignore me. So it's cool if I spit the game. Nobody's going to do right. it. Right. Well, they're looking for the cheat code, right? They're looking for the quick. And and, 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 and you, you, had, you had the knowledge nugget just a minute ago, man, because it is. It's like build community. And, and, and I feel like Ironically, that Karis once the gospel of hip hop is the book that Amen. really showed me that shit. A, you see, you talking my language, one minute. So, and that's the thing, right? Like, it's fucked up, Holden, because what you said is literally the key, and it's become such a cliche. Because to your point earlier as well, that shit doesn't happen in five minutes. It might take fifteen years. So you really find out, like, are you really about? what you say you're about are you really about these people do you really want to grow and connect like relationships real relationships in my opinion they don't happen over a, a period of like one or two days or like a few hours like it's about being consistent and coming back time and again no matter the situation or the circumstance right and that way that's off that's that that's that authenticity right and as you said it's not about being cool because cool Cool can get seen through really quickly if that shit's not born of anything, right? And that's the thing. It's like, you blew my mind when you were like, I didn't know, and I should have known. 
that that Kendrick was was a ghostwriter for seven years, and I, I tell let's my students, like I'm ninety percent certain, just in case he wasn't. But I'm like, oh no, no, I'm, I'm no, I, I believe it. <laughs> no, 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 I I believe it because it makes sense because because there's so many other stories that are similar about artists. Like cats don't know that like Jay Z started fucking his Big Daddy Kane's record crate holder, like for years. He would just basically come out on stage in between Big Daddy Kane sets to spit like a verse. And then he was doing that with Jazz O. Now, when you say Jay-Z, he's synonymous with hip-hop. You know what I mean? Like He's now considered widely by so many as like the godfather of the culture, right? But he didn't actually do anything for the first like 10 or 12 years of his career other than be a fucking record caddy. Yeah the side hype man and then was in like a little ass group called the jazz where he wasn't the lead mc by the time you hear him in reasonable doubt he'd been in the game basically as someone's helper and just building skills and building rep and showing that he could do it and all and but we only get the we only get the magical Jay-Z appears in Bed-Stuy and drops Reasonable Doubt and he's a legend and the rest no, is just... He's like, like 27 when Reasonable Doubt comes out. Why is... Talk yo, about it. Do you know how... Talk I'm, about yo, it. Okay, like, Talk about I it. I started rapping, rapping for real. I consider it my first show. Not necessarily my first upload. My first show is when I think it counted because I performed like yeah. I was on the bill, my name and shit. That was June 5th, 2012 or some shit like that, right? So... I'm 25 at that point, and motherfuckers be like 17 around me. And then you start seeing how DMX is like late 20s, and a lot of these dudes is like late 20s when album one drops. Obviously, they have a bunch of shit I've never heard of that came out on the streets, blah, 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 blah. But like, it's just the idea of his age being so late when Reasonable Doubt comes out, or when the first X album drops, or when so many of these guys are, are not Nas aged, that it's like, wow, you can really just be old as shit and still push this. Look at Griselda. They're in their 30s. They're in their 30s having their fucking run of the year. That's fucking blessed. No, that's real. That is that is super that is super super real. I mean, and you know, again, it it goes back to do you love this shit? Yeah. Whatever it is you do. Like you clearly love podcasting, networking, build the community because only if you love this mm. shit it's or whatever like, it is i love making music and this stuff i'm learning to love on this quest to achieve my goals there is no particular lane for people like me in my opinion because mm -hmm. i go to the shows with other people and i'm a hundred percent sure 98 percent of that crowd don't fuck with me the way i wish they would and that's okay but that means i have to go figure out a whole way to attract motherfuckers to my shit which doesn't exist so how do you do that right then i realized there's ways to like approach it different blah blah blah, blah. so yeah in a lot of ways it's like this is not my first love but i've learned to love the beauty of the process and and but that's the thing though it's authentic that love however you got to it is authentic which means that people Maybe not everybody on the planet, but there are people that gravitate to it because that's what they want. It, it goes back to saying about, you know, the culture and, and things that are cool. On the surface, people people don't admit it all the time or realize it, 
because they don't really realize the secret is to not be Cardi B or be Kendrick. It's to have the mentality of like, I'm going to do me regardless of whatever you're doing. That's that's the message. It's not, okay, be like me. Even though the way the industry sets it up, that's what they want you to do because they want you to buy their shit. Mm. The message is, is like, however, whoever you are, you need to be the illest version of that. You need whatever it is, whatever you're into, you need to be the illest version of that and be consistent. And you'll be surprised. You'll find out there's a lot of other motherfuckers that might be on the same on the same wave, on the same vibe. And then it grows. And then you have something. But like that's work. And that's time. And like you said, there's a lot of failure in that. You're gonna get laughed at a bunch. You know what I mean? Like there's gonna be all types of setbacks. And most people, especially in my opinion now, they want that shit today. Because social media and the internet teaches us it's today. It's not today. You, it's not today. It might it, it, it might be 20 years from no, now. It might not you know even, hold on, hold on. It might not come. Yeah. I started hitting this point, and this is a little more dark. But, yo, I could just die, but I started a seed thing. And maybe my death would be enough to make somebody else be the one to make it happen. And that's, like, kind of enough for me now. Now I just have to live with the fact that it might take longer than my life. Hmm. Well, and here's here's the thing, man, and I can I can already tell, you know, along the way, you've probably had some crazy ass times. You've made some dope ass friends and you've probably impacted people that you don't even realize you have. Like, that's the mm, thing that, that, that I last part is way truer than the first two parts. So much of my last five years of my life has been spent in a room in front of a computer talking to cameras and shit. So the actual human interaction where I see the other side of it is very recent. It's hugely overwhelming and I'm only recently learning how to fully comprehend the impact of what it is to be in a position like this with like the humility of not being an arrogant asshole about it. That part's kind of hard because some days you wake up and you're just fucking feeling yourself like a motherfucker. Um, which is fun. Don't even get me wrong. But like... Right. But like, then you gotta like think about it bigger because you talk too much shit, you become Icarus, you fly too close to the sun, you fall down and you drown and die and shit. You don't want that either. Um, anyway, let's go back to your life because that's fucking, as much as this is blessed, and I think there's been a lot of value in knowledge nuggets because they throw in knowledge nuggets up, yo. They throw in the fucking knowledge nuggets up. Um, but let's go back to you like post-college. So you basically grinded it out. Y'all made a bunch of music for the love of music. And then what happens that what were you studying in college again? You may have said it, but I completely forgot. No, I, I didn't. I um I ended up with a degree uh, in English and a minor in political science. I, I went to college pre-law, and then after my freshman year, I was like, I don't want to be a lawyer. And I realized like my passion and what I loved was 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 writing and music, and I I started to gear myself towards that so i have a degree in english and a, with a minor in poli sci that's fresh as fuck though uh so then after college is that when you go to new york uh or do you do other things oh wait so in one part again after college is that when you go to new york or do you do other things oh yeah yeah so 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 me and bill and uh actually mayday and ryan go first because they're they're a year ahead of us so they end up going home back to Connecticut where they're from and then uh 
we gradually build and I Bill goes back to Somers, New York. I go back to Jersey for about six months and then we all kind of get a, a spot together in Brooklyn. And that was that was March of two thousand. Um and serious. You're in Brooklyn yeah, and, then. Yeah, we're in Brooklyn in, in, in two thousand. And and with with much of the idea at that point, by the time we had graduated college, like when we like when I told you how we met in our freshman year, we weren't thinking about what we were thinking about by the time we were seniors. By the time we were seniors, it's like, okay, we need to move to New York and we're gonna and we're gonna do this music. And it still wasn't like because we want to blow up and be famous. It was just like, well, what else mm. the fuck would we do? Like, this is the shit we love to do, so we're gonna do that. And, and we're young, so fuck it. Let's 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 do that. So you guys head down there, and then you find out you're not as dope as you thought you were. That you also had said. Yeah, that's that. Yeah, that's when I found it out because I started hitting up open mics and going to different spots yeah, to be fair, and just like sampling. There's a difference between what New York thinks is dope and what Montreal thinks is dope. So it might have just been that had you come to Montreal instead of New York and done the exact same thing, we would have said you were dope on just a completely different vibe. I just want to throw that out there in respect to like everybody. I mean, shout out the New York stamp of approval. I went on this open mic. New York didn't fuck with me, but Montreal fucked with it. And I'm like, you know what? Fuck New York. I'm gonna take that Montreal love when it comes to my music. But New York likes it when I talk, so I'm okay with that. New York is fucking <laughs> New York is fuck with me as a podcaster, so like the fact that I can get like a New York stamp of approval on something is still blessed, don't get me wrong. <laughs> yeah. No, so yeah, so 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 but but again, like the mentality that that I had, we had was well we're just gonna but we know what we do. So we're gonna do it, and for me as an MC, and so so the whole crew is me. At the time, I wasn't Mikhail Amin. Like this, that's my given. My real name is Mikhail Amin. My full name is Mikhail Amin Lee. Now I just go by Mikhail Amin. But before that, when I came to New York, I was going by G Rock really early, and then I became um, the Hired Gun. And I got that name because, like I said, I was I was I was MCing the drum and bass. I also was fronting. Um, a couple of like different like like rock bands. I was throwing parties. Hold on, you were fronting as was, in you were like rap singing. Do you sing too? Wasn't rap? I wasn't. I wasn't rap singing. I was. I was basically doing like my Zach De La Rocha shit. Like I was just like people would be playing like hard rock or like you ever hear of a of um you ever hear of a, a label called Hospital Records? No. It, it's a British drum and bass label. Ba basically, there's a a, a a band on there that did live drum and bass. Like it was a drum and bass group that, that basically did drum and bass music, but it was all played. So it was like the drummer, the horns, Oh, I fucked with that kind of shit. I know the yeah. general sense of what you're talking. I might know, okay. I might know what you're talking about actually. Yeah, so, so, so I used to front shit like that. I always and only rap. So, but I would rap to anything. So. Because of that, I kind of got this reputation of someone that's like, hey, if you need a job done on some like music shit or like performance shit, like this guy can do it. He can rap. He knows how to throw parties. He's a dancer. It doesn't matter the hold genre. Up, hold up. Pause, pause. How we missed this dancer bit. Somehow this. I mean, first... well, I, I, was, I was going to raves, dude. I told you. Like, I, oh, I used to. I, I guess that yeah. was an implied thing. And I yeah, just yeah, yeah. Okay, you did, you did very big fair. Yeah, I, I was, I was, yeah, I was, you I a was doing dancer. 
that was all right. Some other other people might be like he was ill. Like I, that was a long time ago. So like my my shit ain't as, as as dope as maybe it was when I was in in my younger days. But like I, I did my thing when I when I was doing it. But I was I was more into like house dance and mm-hmm. and I did a little break and I was never really a breaker though. Yeah, but like house dancing and, and and like that shit I was definitely I was definitely big on. But but so so there's me, unpaid bill, mayday, luck D, and then topics. Um, or Rocky, and we were the, we were the original core crew, and then our boy Hoodoo, um, and Stats, um, and Angel Dust, Angel D came later, but that was the fam. That was that was the that was the crew. So we we came to New York and we started, you know, throwing shows and getting booked for shows, and we were we'd already been recording stuff, and again, like you, you got to understand the context, and I think this is why the stuff that we did at that time is still dope. Um, you probably can't find a lot of it online. There's some of it online, actually, because um, of Mayday, because he put some stuff up. But it was all love doing it, man. Like, our sessions were... Can you describe it a bit? Because this is a little bit more sure. where... The one thing I've learned doing this show is that as tech gets better, preparation gets worse, and therefore the meticulousness of music has changed. That is the one constant I can say maybe holds true. People want to talk about shit. It's people yeah. prepare less. Um, so can you describe a bit the contest? Because you're still talking like early 2000s. If I'm not mistaken, it's about sure. 07, sure. 08 when shit gets sure. cheap and motherfuckers get home studios for real reels. <laughs> so, so basically, Bill, me, and Todd, we live in a, 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 what's called, they call them shotgun apartments. They're, it's like basically one long hallway with rooms. Like basically it's like, it's, it's just like a series of rooms and there's just a hallway that goes through the rooms. So that they have doors, but basically you can walk from the front of the, of the apartment to the back of it through every room and there's no other way to get to the room. So let's say if you want to, if you're in the back of the apartment in the bedroom and you want to get to the kitchen, you've got to walk through every other bedroom and the living room. There's like no other way to get, you have to walk through every room. So the nickname of, but there are old like apartments like that were in the turn of the century when people were coming over and emigrating because like multiple families would live in one place or like big families and they would all be in this one apartment. Anyway, we turned that shit into a fucking like bunker dojo. Like we had four turntables set up, walls of records, and we're just always playing or making music. And in that time, you know, we're all married now. A couple of us are our are, are fathers. We all have other careers. You know, Bill is a, is, a, is a teacher, New York City school teacher. Mayday actually is a, a union organizer and a professor. Um, still make music. In fact, uh, and we'll probably get into this later, but like uh, Mayday and I were uh, doing a record uh, this year called Emertica. Yeah, that's dope. Um, we, we, got, we got stuff coming out. So we're always putting out music, but, but we just loved one, we loved each other's company. Like to this day, I mean, I, I could I could spend hours on end with these dudes, um, kicking it, just kicking it. So we just we were just growing up together, and we just and, and like I said, we had the same we had the same interests, but we also didn't have a lot of responsibility. 
So we just were just like, yeah, man, we're just fucking drinking beer, smoking weed, and playing records and going oh, record shopping and digging. That's a dream. Yeah. Yeah. So so to your point about the 10,000 hours, without making it into, like, this mission, like, well, we've got to be the, it was It was just organically happening because it was like, wake up. Like, check the scene. I would wake up, right, and I'd walk into, I'd walk into the, the studio, and Mayday and Bill would just be there. Blunt, playing records. My word, that's like- Go make some food, come back, still making making shit or, or listening to records. Honestly, they spent more time just listening to shit. Like hours and hours listening to records. And I would just pop in and out, take a break, go to the pub. That's more the some version gu- I want. Yeah. Go, <laughs> go, yeah, go go to the pub, get some Guinness, you know, hang out, talk some shit come back put some more records on our weed dude was in our building so he would just roll up with fucking whatever and we would just chill but you guys guys are doing this after children right because we just got a comment that that was before children you said you're doing all this after children no no before 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 Oh yeah, all before, all before, all before. You're like, no, no, no. This is the <laughs> might before. be the reason why there are kids now, but but no, before kids. No, this is we're all we're we're, we're 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 yeah we're we're all just and and honestly, man, some of the best times of my life only because and, and shout out to my wife. I love my wife dearly, and, and and all of that. But there's just something about that. There's just something about that time when like all you're focusing on are your boys. And the shit you love, and you're in a place that you dreamed that you wanted to live, like. That was the first, for me, moving to New York and moving in with them was the first time in my life that a dream I had, I manifested. That was the first actual time that I was like, I envisioned this happening and now it's happening. Mm. And that was so, I mean, it was scary sometimes, but it was so, it inspires me to this day. Like that time of my life to this, to this day, like everything that I am is because of those dudes and that time, because it was almost a huge knowledge nugget up in that the idea of success is often correlated. If you read all the success books to the simple concept of visualization, followed by execution, followed by analyze results, followed by repeat. And that that's all it is is you do that a lot so when you get that first taste of the full cycle completion you visualize something crazy for yourself something big and you actually land it like land it oh my gosh that unlocks the whole world for you because now you've done that what it what's the next one it's just bigger it's just more things to figure out but you just repeat that process so I'm so glad that you brought that up because it's such a key and pivotal thing yeah and, and 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 that's the and that's the thing. you know bill bill bill's blowing up the bill's blowing up. i love bill bill is bill bill's forever my head man man like it, it the, the funny thing is is like bill bill's saying all this stuff in the chat is it's like but he don't realize like i i wouldn't be the mc or the artist if it wasn't for him if it wasn't for the music that he exposed me to so much so much that i understand and i'm not talking to just rap records or and i'm talking about jazz and funk like a big part of my music education is really from hanging out with him and todd 
they are they are musicologists and meticulous with their shit. Shout out and, you for giving them flowers. Nah, man, he's he's he and and, and see he's he's calling me humble in the chat. It's like this motherfucker's humble, man. Like yeah, the sure knowledge this man has of music and history and culture, it's ridiculous. So just and, let's just go on a logic run. So if he's that meticulous with it, therefore he's decided that you're that good. Okay. Thus, I should take his word that seriously based on your cosign. <laughs> well, take the, the, it's what it is. <laughs> but but we but 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 this is the thing, man. Like if, if you were to if you were to have him and I in a studio together right now, like if he was on this call right now, or if you or if you were a flyer on the wall, like we just, I man, so many jokes, so many so many inside things. We had our own language then, man, and and all of this is going into what our sound was and who we were, and it wasn't because we were trying to be something that people would listen to we were just like we this is the who, this is who the fuck we are and we really like these this music and these sounds so we're gonna do it so like that was that was that was the process like so much of so much of our music was just us just add context in new york city yeah in, in like new york city era of dmx yes in the era <laughs> Yes, so at this point, I'm like 12, 13 years old, and my dad, for some reason, has rap CDs because he's trying to be cool. And I discover Volume Three, and then there was X, and that that album is like probably my first full rap album that I've listened to. And yo, and I'm not gonna lie, this 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 might be sacrilege because rest in peace to the legend, and and he is he is truly that. At that time, we weren't fucking with DMX. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> we weren't that was that was that was some club shit that was some some oh, it's so like good, thugs we were yeah for sure tall, but like <laughs> we yeah but 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 we weren't on that vibe we were on a completely different vibe so we what, were what kind on of a completely vibe were you on? so what's the vibe man, we, you were on back then the the, the 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 vibe that we were on back then man was like anti-pop consortium it was the far eye it was log cabin crew from the west coast it was black star it was raucous records it it was most deaf it was nas it was it was it was basically what the it was basically what came from that golden era of the mid to early 90s and then like its children mm. so all of this shit that was on so raucous DMX high tech basically like yeah. the drake no, because Drake is kind of mushy. Okay, it like, was more just his, popular. His role is the club music in society. Yeah, the yeah. The girls love yeah. DMX, dude. Say what you will. Throw that shit on at a wedding. Watch how girls get up and turn out. <clears throat> oh, Dilated Peoples, Willie got it. Yep, Dilated Peoples was heavy. Yo, GITC's fucking amazing music, though. Shut oh up. yeah, all of that shit. Yep, yep. I, I was listening to Ideas, Slum, Atmosphere. That's like fresh. not super heavy on them, but like that was in the mix for me. Okay. Um, so but, you're like but, the anti-pop. Yeah, anti-pop. And still to this day, anti-pop is like, and, and and that's the thing: hard, raw, or really just abstract and different. I mean, the only way I can really describe it is like whatever sounded different, we were on, and so much of at that point rap had really just become the the cool thing the popular thing and that's and and, and i don't want to i don't want to i don't want to like quote unquote hate hate on that but it made the sound not feel as real to us so 
it it was sort of like okay yeah 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 whatever whatever y'all do that over here y'all do that over there we're we're on this shit and like i fucking you know, swear that's in one of your songs almost exactly verbatim yeah probably i mean like yeah probably <laughs> i mean i i can only nothing has changed from the time that i wrote my first rap song when i was like 13 or 12 to now whatever's happening with me whatever i see or feel or i have questions about that's what the music is about so sometimes it's super political sometimes it's super introspective uh it's 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 whatever but like a lot of a lot of the stuff that i was doing with bill and todd was super political very like existential type of shit very very just like just different just and 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 and, and again it was whatever was happening at the time so it wasn't even like a formula like okay well today we got it was just like whatever the fuck Whatever, whatever crazy ass joke or name that Bill and Todd had made up for us at that point, like we have, we have a million fucking. I'm not gonna get into all of our crew nicknames, but we were, we would just like make up names for ourselves or other shit, and like somehow that joke would turn into a topic, and then they would be looking for records and come up with a sound, and all of a sudden, like I'm putting work, and they also rapped too, so like they were writing songs, they were writing raps as well, but like it was. I, I have to say it. We were very much like a dayline that way. Like we were just, we just had weird ideas and just completely unorthodox ways of looking at shit, and we just put it on a record. Yeah, for sure. Beats first. Beats are always first. I, I have to, Bill. I have to teach my kids that because, like, that's a weird thing about this generation. I, I can't front. Like, Can you they so many of them write before they make the. They, they, oh, they write the mean. song before they hear the beat. Bro, that's it's so weird. weird to me. That's weird to me, too. I don't understand how you do that. Well, you I know what? I can understand how you have, like, a bar or a concept that you think of and you hold on to. Or, like, maybe a hook line. Okay, fine. I could see how you come up with a hook line and then you hear a beat. And that beat and that hook just makes sense. And then, bro, it's to the point where I can't even write bars until I mapped out the structure on that beat. Listen, the the way the way that I'm used to doing it, honestly, going back to the process you're talking about... I used to sit in the room with Bill and Todd. I don't make beats. I've tried to make beats. Mm. I, I, I dabble with shit for a half minute. I, I just never was able to get into it. I, and I will. It's, I'm, 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 I, I swear before I die, I will. But I needed to feel where they were going with the music, with the song. So I would, I that. I would sit and listen and watch them build the thing and you know sometimes sometimes i wouldn't stay for the entire thing sometimes i'd go out do something else or like sometimes they'd already put a lot of it together but i was always trying to hear what they were hearing and that would tell me what i was gonna write so i never really came in and it's like yo i i wrote this make a beat to this it was always like oh shit that sounds ill what are y'all doing with that oh shit you're on there with it wait a minute hold on let me get my let me get my notebook and then i would just be sitting there there's so many hours holding where like it was a just, band that sounds like band shit it totally was band shit i mean it was totally was it was totally band shit it was absolutely band shit and 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 todd and bill were like the they were the maestros. They, they, they would, 
they spent they spent the most time looking for 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 digging period like they were the ones that were actually digging if if i was digging it was because i was with them you know i started digging a little bit but like that was their religion they did that more than they ate don't the they, That's the, so interesting. The, the the two things those two dudes back then, the only things they cared about was fucking Guinness and digging for records. That's that's like and, and and some weed. Like that was that was that's that's what they were. That's what they were about. Like that's what they were about. So like, just always dope music in the house. And that's what I'm saying. Like it wasn't as if like everything was a beat. They would just sometimes they just be playing records. You know what I'm saying? Like it wasn't always about getting the record so the a beat could get made. It was right. just like They're they were just, just like listening. super fans of music, and by virtue of that, you were forced to listen to a bunch of good music, which evolved your taste and horizons, etc. So what you're saying is the truth is to be a good artist is find a DJ underpaid unpaid bill, find a guy like him in your life. That's what yeah, I'm that's, hearing. That's, the good advice is that's Shout the out that's, DJ that's, unpaid that's the, bill. That's the best way to do it. If you're going to be an MC, go go get a DJ and and get one that's dope. And <laughs> go go just go get a dope DJ. Yeah, but I'd but you know it. what it is? It, the, the, the 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 jokes aside about it is is like you have to you know it goes back to what we've been saying, man. You have to love it. You have to have an appreciation uh, for it. All right. So what happens after those two years of realizing you're maybe not as dope as you thought you were when you got to New York? Uh, I got dope. <laughs> I, I got dope. I got a little doper. So like, freestyle Monday, free free freestyle freestyle Mondays is, is is sort of like my. So you you know you know Project Blowed right? You know the Good Life and all of that right? Oh you don't? Oh shit, son. Okay, so this is what I just want to ask you to do. This is your homework for later. Go on Netflix. I'm giving you homework, bro. Go on Netflix, and there is a documentary by. Ava DuVernay called The Good Life. Go watch that and you'll learn about a crew called Project Blowed. And you ever hear of a, a group called Freestyle Fellowship? Yes. So Freestyle Fellowship, their home base was The Good Life Cafe. Okay. And it was an open mic that birthed like mega giants in the West Coast hip hop scene of the early 90s and mid 90s okay and essentially yeah you've heard of lyricist lounge yes right thank goodness i'm on this show and i've been educated <laughs> yes yes so lyricist lounge is a more known popular similar type of thing you got most deaf from there yeah you got you know black star and, and people like that from there but almost every I'd say almost every city and scene has something like that. Like in Philly, it was the Black Lily with the roots. Like there's always a, a, a spot where like a community of heads kind of form. So for, for me in New York, after Lyricist Lounge, because by then Lyricist Lounge had sort of been kind of like dying out, two things kind of rose up. Um, end of the week, which is still running. Yo, shout out and end of the week who fucked my whole life up. Dub, that's that that's that's the homies as well. Fuck and then there's Freestyle Mondays. Yeah. And those are the two spaces. But the space I found first and the space that I ended up staying in was Freestyle Mondays. And Ill Spoken, um, Mariella, Claudio, uh, Chris Kuzmi, um, and Dave. 
that was the crew that started that. And they were a band called the XO. And uh, shout out to Cecil Rock, who was the other MC with Ill. And they were a group, but they ran a weekly open mic where MCs would freestyle. And that was the kind of the rules, like no rules, no rings. So you would play with the band and you'd be in a line. And this is what I'm talking about why I realized like I'm not as ill as I thought and it's a different level. Imagine a bar with a stage on the stage, got a guitarist, bassist who sometimes plays like a sax or or, or, or a brass, a drummer, an ill jazz type singer, and a, the most ridiculous 2MC you've ever heard. And they have this great interplay and they're freestyling. And then at some point they'd open up the mic and then the band would just jam. And Ill and Mariella would come up with hooks. And when they were done with the eight bars, let's say it's you and me in line, you would go up and you'd spit 16. And you'd have to know what 16s were because at 16 bars, they'd bring the hook in and then you'd step off stage. And in the eight, by the time the next eight bars was done, the next MC would step on stage and they'd have to spit a 16. And that would be all freestyle. And they would do that for about five hours every Monday from like 10 p.m. Yeah, like till about three in the morning. Straight up, there huh? is. There is. I never went to it because it's from 10 till three in the morning. And I have right. from nine to five. And I'm like, yo, it's just not going on for me like that. But shout out LeCypher of Montreal and Community who both uh, rep that kind of shit. No doubt. And and, and so 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 Dave and Kuzmi, Ill, Mariella, Claudio, the XO, and Cecil, they basically created and birthed this like room where like all of these MCs and EO Dub was doing something similar. They they weren't using a live band. They had D, they had a more traditional like DJ setup and the three kings, shout out to the three kings. Um, they were, they were, they were, they were doing a similar type of thing where you had a list and you had MCs rocking, um, some would freestyle, some would actually do like actual songs that they've written, which is more closer to like what the good life was. But the thing about freestyle Mondays was, it was like, it was exclude. It was like, you had to free style. That was the whole vibe of it. It was a freestyle jam for like five hours. So I stepped into that. And I met and heard just ridiculous. And, and, and you didn't have a break. Like, the only break was if you didn't um, get on the line. But then you weren't going to rap. So the only time you could rap was to be online. And wherever you were in the line, you had to wait to go. So sometimes the line would make up a story. And you'd have to keep the story going in your freestyle. Or, like, the hook would have a topic. And then as long as you're in the line, you got to actually be able to keep the topic going. And these are all like freestyle games and shit, basically, you know, but there's a live audience watching this. So imagine you're just, you're not a musician, you're not a rapper, you're not a singer. You just came to hear this ridiculously dope band. And there's just a room of like 20 MCs that just keep performing 16 20 24 bars at a time in rotation with these three hosts 
that know how to like make a song out of all of this freestyle by bringing in hooks and bridges and having the band switch up. So there's this whole vibe going on. And that's where I really first got like my performance chops because that was the first time before I ever got booked for a show, before I ever was like on a marquee with my group or as a solo artist, I was performing in front of a crowd one verse at a time for like hours. But like, you want to get remembered. Like the, the, the greatest thing was when they would go to break and you'd go outside, cats need to smoke, or get some air because it was small. And some, yo man, that thing you said, you know, when you're, that last line was ill or like, yo man, I've been seeing you come every week. You're, you're my favorite. Like you were, you were, you were doing shit for props. And you wanted to be remembered. You wanted you wanted people to like, not forget who you were. And and it was, it, but it was sort of like, it wasn't on some like full on ego shit. It was just more like, iron sharpened iron. And these are the motherfuckers that are like doing this shit for real. And I want to be associated with them. I want to I want to be in that. I want to be in that call. So me coming from a small ass town, and I learned later that. You know, half those cats weren't from New York either and were just like me, came from other places, trying to make their name, trying to follow their dreams, Hold do whatever. So you're describing the grind for the people that were not from New York, that were in New York, whereas, like, end of the week was very... Because, I, I mean, I ended up linking up with end of the week. Like, we ended up doing this weekly shit on their Zoom. It's basically this, and now it has a different name, and it's on Wednesdays. So fucking shout out end of the week on the reels, because, like, I got to run through their whole roster. Big Zoo, Nunzio. Yeah. Um, even a prolific one. Got to hear the story of it all. Yo, it's so New York-centric. Yes. In a way where what you're describing feels, um, no disrespect to them, I'll fucking love end of the week. They're the homeboys. I have their fucking logo on a bunch of my faces and shit. So we all cool. <clears throat> but I realized it's so New York centric. I tried to open mic with them. I don't know that I do the New York thing enough for it. And uh, when you're describing over here, though, it sounds way more my type. But I would fuck with that. The the the, the, the funny thing is, is the vibe were different but they were the same in, in a lot of respects. Uh, and most of it really was, for me at least, was the live band aspect as opposed to the DJ. Because I had I had been performing, to be honest with you, I had been performing more with live musicians more than I had performed with DJs because where I was from, DJ, like we didn't have clubs. So DJing wasn't, you didn't, cats didn't like go to high school and want to be djs they wanted to be rock stars so i knew more cats growing up that were guitarists and drummers and shit like that they weren't really into hip-hop though so like i was something different so i hooked up with cats that wanted to be different so by the time i came to new york i'd gone to eodub i'd done stuff at eodub like i said like they're the homies as well like shout outs to baxter and, and, and zoo and all yeah, those cats like mad love and super dope amazing people yeah but when I came to New York, where I, where I, early on, where I felt the most comfortable was in the, in the, the band and the jam session. And, and also, to be really honest with you, like I said, EO Dub was super established. They were very, not only just New York centric, but they were very much plugged in to what, like, like the heads that were like big at the time in the indie scene. Um, they were all from they were all from the class of EO Dub. They had all cut their teeth there. So like they had like mad songs. Like they could all freestyle. Like Zoo is one of the illest freestylers you'll ever hear on the planet. So it was nice. prolific. Like just 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 the just the illest, right? But 
they also had mad songs and that's what they were also about and i honestly at that point even though i'd been like i said i've been writing every day i didn't have like polished songs to that degree i had songs but like these cats had like volumes so i wasn't and i like i said i had just gotten here so i wasn't really i wasn't really polished enough to say like all right i'm gonna go to eo dub and i got like 15 songs of my own like down perfect like i had i wasn't at that space when i first came in i was like yeah i've, I've done a few songs i got a couple of cool raps that i've got i can freestyle so i kind of came to new york learning how to write songs but kind of had cut my teeth more as like a performer and a freestyler even though i did both i was actually in a live setting i felt more comfortable doing freestyle you know what's crazy though if i think about it you're probably getting paid better today doing what you do than you are going down the songwriting thing just on the fucking performance angle if you can be like that entertaining you can get like a lot of money well the, the funny thing is is that so so much of what i do now is born of my ability to freestyle but like you know like i said like i'm also an educator and i i spend a lot of my time actually like curating and running programs for young people. But a lot of the things that I do as a, as a performer kind of like translate into working with them. And yeah, a lot of the, like in COVID, like I did a lot of performances for like schools and like younger folks. And I actually like teach workshops about like the science of how to freestyle and like what it, you know, like, Cause you can't really, the funny thing is, is like, I, I teach rapping, but the first thing I do when I talk about it, especially when I'm dealing specifically with like older heads, like, like high school kids, I tell them like, you can't really be taught how to freestyle. It's something you have to just do, but I have some methods and ways to get you to open yourself up enough to develop the ability to do it. Yo, I got big questions. And I say this because as you're describing all this, uh, we started a cypher every Tuesday night that's all off the domes. So we'd be off the dome rapping for like three, four hours, three hours or so, and just all learning about it. So what would your tips be for the people who are like maybe a, a little bit nervous about approaching a situation like that? What are some things they can do at home to like up their freestyle game? I mean, the, the biggest thing I would say to start is you have to get over yourself. And what, I mean, and what I mean by that is people often block themselves because they want to be Kendrick before they can even rhyme cat with hat. So they hear themselves mess up or they, or they stutter to get a bar and then they quit. Ah, I sound hard, but I sound whack. You have to get, you have to realize like you're building a muscle. You know what I mean? Like you're working a muscle. We all have tens of thousands of words. If you speak, if you have language, unbeknownst to you, you have tens of thousands of words that you know, that you just know. You know them so well, you don't even realize how many you know until someone shows you that you know them, mm. right? Then it's about, okay, how old, you, how old are you holding? 
33. You're 33. So you have let's 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 cut 10 years off of that. Let's say we'll we'll start at 10. We'll just 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 to be cute, but I could say even before 10. You have 23 years of experience on this planet. You've gone right. through numerous things. I don't even know what you've gone through, but you've gone through something. Numerous And things. I don't even it, it, yeah, it doesn't have to even be dramatic. You've had friends, you've had girlfriends, you've had family members, you've gone on vacation, you've gone through schools, you've you've been in car what you've you've been a human being. So you've had experiences, 23 years worth. So you have this voluminous vocabulary. You have all of these things that you've seen and done, watched, listened to, all of that. Freestyling is about getting to a place in your mind where you feel comfortable enough to access those things instantaneously. And also taking getting cues from around you. Like, it's to the point now, like this wasn't the case when I first started, but it's to the point now where you could drop a bead right now, you could give me a word, and I can turn that into a, a, a freestyle. I can turn that into a song. I can make that something that is coherent and that you know you could vibe on and, and pick that up. So the first thing is to get over yourself and to have fun and realize that it's just like riding a bike, you're gonna fall, you're gonna trip, but you get on the bike. And then it's really about connecting with the things that you like know the most. Like, I don't know what hobbies you have, but like I said, I, I'm, I'm into sports. So I know a shit ton about sports. We all have like useless information that we just love. You know, some people are into anime. Some people love sitcoms. Some people are cooks and chefs and love food. Other people are into ex. We all have like a massive amount of information about shit that's not really important to anyone but us or only a few people, but we know a lot about it. So it's like starting there, rap about things that you have a lot of information about and just get used to kind of like accessing that and getting comfortable with the words that you know. And I have like exercises that I do with people to sort of like unlock that with them. Um, but yeah, the biggest thing about learning how to freestyle and, 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 and getting good at it is you kind of just have to go through and get the, get the, out the fear of not being that good at it when you're with people and that's like the hardest that's like the hardest thing that's why like when i first started freestyling i was only doing it with my crew because if they made if they not made fun of me, but like if they laughed about it i didn't take it personal and i felt comfortable because like these are my bros they're not you know what it's not whatever it's not it's not i'm not in a competition i'm not battling anybody it's not money on the line we have drunk anyway but after a while, you do it more, you do it. Anything that you, we already talked about 10,000 hours, anything that you do repeatedly, eventually, even if you're not like innately good at it or naturally, naturally gifted at it, you're gonna get better. So it's a, the trick about it is, is like, how do you get so passionate or in love with it, or it's such a focus for you that you can get through the points where like 
you just said some gibberish or you keep repeating the same line or it doesn't sound as like hot as logic when he freestyles or Royce you know what I'm saying like Like, get it out, out of your own way I've seen some stuff where I, th- I think he can do it. Like I'm not, I'm, I'm, I, I think he can do it. But, but the, but you know what I'm saying? Like you can't, you have to get out of your own way. Okay. You know what I mean? And that's, and that's really hard to do. Especially, it's really hard to do if, if you're, if, 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 if there's a lot of other shit that's going on in your head, or your purpose of like coming to that freestyle that you're talking about on Tuesday night is because you want to be the fucking believe it or not you- everyone who's coming through just wants to have fun that's why it's really dope but I've talked to people like you know what inspired me it wasn't like it's my cousin's cousin dude hits me up he's like bro I've been watching you guys rap and it's making me feel like cause yo we are so fucking regular that's like the whole goal Yo, whatever twitch picks topics boom it's not really about fame trust that's not what the vibe is it's more like oh for sure we all just want to practice together because that's what everybody said was the thing to do <laughs> honestly you talk to everybody from that era they're like bro you gotta practice with your peoples get your swords up look at the wu-tang so like we're trying to actually bring that into a zoom call on the internet i'm um, okay the broadcasting is the capitalist in me it is what it is but um when it came down to it, he was like, I want to, like, come rap. Can you teach me how to, like, freestyle? And I'm like, huh. Bro, that's like a... Oh, there's a thing. There's, like, a demand for, like, people who just want to be able to go bust a few rhymes on a Zoom call and not feel goofy. Could I, to be honest with you, because freestyling is magic. Because people... The thing that people have told me when they've seen me freestyle or been in places like Freestyle Mondays and I've talked to them and they're watching other people who do it really well. It's a weird concept for people and it's hard for them to imagine themselves being able to think that quickly. Like it's it's almost like they like, how do you do that? And and, and like I said, like the way, at least the way I understand it, it's not really that tricky because I, I've gotten to the point where I know like I'm not saying anything that I don't know. And I'm pretty comfortable with my vocabulary, and I'm always learning words. So it's just about getting into the and 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 and, and with that said, it's a freestyle. So like, it's I'm not a hundred percent all of the time. There's sometimes where like it's mad regular because I might not be in the right mentality. I might I might be upset about something, or like I might be nervous. But nine times out of ten. I can pull, I can make a song the minute the beat starts and I can go wherever I need to. Yeah. And I can go wherever I need to go just based on, you know, what I'm accessing and like pulling from, you know, what's around me and then taking the things that I know and pulling those things in. And it's kind of like when you're a a ball player, you've heard of things like when you're in the zone, like when you get to that, all of the zone is whether it's sports or freestyling, it's just a level of comfort where you just know exactly what's going to happen next. Mm. You're you're just so comfortable. Like, yes, it's going to go left and to right, and I'm going to catch it here. And you're not thinking about it. You're not like, well, maybe it's going to go to the left. You know it's going to go, because you've done it a thousand times. 
and you know this motion and it feels the same and you're so focused it feels the same so it's the same thing when i'm freestyling it's like okay if i get in a space and i'm just geeking out i don't even think about what i'm about to say next it just happens and i already have all of this information inside of me and i know it and when you're in that zone you're you're not even conscious of that you're just like yeah yeah i'm rapping yo i have a I very rarely do I get to record like the best freestyles because usually the freestyles that I love the most are, are because I, I'm not That's thinking why about you it. You gotta do this shit on a Zoom call broadcasted live to a Twitch so that all the moments are recorded. It's awkward, but you get past it. Well, you, well, you know, it's funny. Like some of the best stuff that I have recorded, it's not within the first 10 minutes of me freestyling. It's usually after like the first two hours. But. Yeah. There will be like a stream of like thirty. Minutes. Oh, that's the illest. So like, I have a I have a freestyle that I recorded. I was doing a uh, a workshop for some like elementary school kids, and I was a, it was a rhyme writing workshop. And I and I do freestyle in that rhyme writing workshop. But like to show kids that what I'm gonna show them is real, I I demonstrate. So I let them pick the topic. So we were talking about soccer because the little kids like soccer. And they found out, of course, that I'm into soccer, football. So this kid was like, I want you to rap about my favorite team, Liverpool. And I'm like, okay. It's like, at the end of the workshop, I'll do that. I promise I'll, I'll rap about, I'll give you a minute about Liverpool, but we have to get to the whole thing. We don't have a lot of time, but I promise you, I will make sure there's enough time at the end and I'll, and I'll rap about Liverpool. We get to the end. And I, I'm not gonna lie. I I looked at it back. I impressed myself. I'm like, oh shit! I, I kind of killed it. I could have. I could have. I should send it to the Premier League. I could get a maybe maybe they'll fucking record it for Liverpool. Like, and and it was only because I had so much fun with these kids, and I already love football, and I'm a Chelsea supporter. Like I've been. That's my team. Shout out to the Blues. Yeah, I'm a, yeah, I'm a Chelsea fan. Don't hate. I'm, Champions I League. have like zero feelings towards it, but even I understood what that means, that it just means something. Because I have yes. friends who are those people. <laughs> uh-huh. So, so, so I know about Liverpool because they're kind of rivals of ours. So it's sort of like, it was like the perfect storm of this workshop was really fun. These kids were really dope. I'm having a great time. They're really digging what they're doing. They made some amazing raps. And we're talking like eight-year-olds, ten-year-olds, and they're they're killing it. It's so cool. And I was in such a space, and I put the beat on, and I'm like, this little kid wants to hear about soccer, and I love soccer, and we love the same shit, and we just spent an hour together making something, and they had fun, and it was fun. I all of that went into me. I realized went into me kicking this ill freestyle because I'm just in the. It's the vibe. It's you know what I mean. It's like it's set and setting. You know what I mean. It's 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 all of that. So like, see, so no. Yeah, I mean, you just got you, you got to get in your zone. I love your answer. You know, we're gonna make that a clip and make sure that that goes up because it's fucking brilliant. But I really like what Ismail's next question is, which I think is a cool follow up to that. Like, what did you learn from the kids? Oh man, because you learned this. Think, how long have you worked with kids? Fifteen years. Wow. When did you, how'd you yeah. get into it? 
So when I moved to New York, like I was saying, so now we're talking about mid 2000s. I'd been doing odd jobs and I think at one point, or I know at one point I was working customer service. All of that shit was like placeholders until I blew up in music or like made music my career. Cause, cause you know, you said something earlier about like, you know, being a point where like the music is going to get to a stage where, you know, you may not make like super money, but you can make a living off of it. I was in that mentality. Like, I don't need to be wealthy. I don't have to have like platinum. I just want, if I can make an average Joe's middle-class salary rapping, Bro, I'm great. That's the dream. If I can, if I can make 60 grand a year just rapping, Holy sign shit. me the fuck up. I'm super good. And some people will hear that, but that's mad mediocre and like that's you're fucking lowballing like yourself and you're, you're not yeah, shooting that, high that's enough. That's you get paid. That's after expenses, right? Right, right. So, yes. Yo, if I because right now, like people make money and that money goes into art, so you're already running on a deficit. So the idea of having that much money and it pays for itself? Yeah, oh no, that's my, my that, that would be God. I've, I'd be I've, rich. I'd be rich in my mind. Yeah. Wealthy. Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, yeah I, same. Like, living wage, right? Like, and, and that's, and honestly, that's, to this day, that's what my wife and I are, are, are striving for, right? But then I, I wasn't even close. Like, now I got into the point where, like, the music pays for itself. Thank God. It doesn't pay for me, but it pays for itself. I've gotten I've gotten savvy enough with my business and working shit out where it pays for itself for the most part. Um, so then my 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 other work allows me to live. Yo, that must be but, such a relief. That's 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 still huge. Yeah, it's 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 freeing because and this is going back to your boy KRS. KRS he did a lecture years ago and it hit me forever. He's like, don't have the music be how you make your living because then you're putting all of this pressure on your art to feed you and then it becomes about something else because you're not going to write about what's important to you or what matters or what you know because if that doesn't allow you to eat then you've got to go write about something else it's like so don't make the music be the way you make your living figure out ways you can have the culture inform how you make a living you can use some of the things from your art to make a living but don't have your art be the way you make a living because now you your art is a slave to making you eat and that hit me hard yeah, I, like I, that hit me really hard so i was tired of doing nine to fives i was never going to do that i did i wasn't trying to get a career in anything my father was a teacher so I said, let me go into education. And the long story short of it was, I, I just couldn't get into a traditional school setting. I tried, I knew my mentality wasn't what it needed to be anyway, because I'm really not great at following orders like that. So, and 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 I, and this might be my ego, but like, I'm definitely like an Aries from, so I'm like, I know what the fuck, I know the right way to do this, don't tell, like, just I'm leave me the you, fuck alone, I'm with you. come back in 10 minutes, You'll see that this fucking works. Don't tell me how to do the thing. I know how to do the thing. Just go away. 
come back and you'll see and I'll show you and you'll be wrong and a lot of times they're wrong but you can't do that when you work in a public school because you have superintendents, you have principals, so they tell you what your curriculum is, yada, yada, yada. I, I was like, no, 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 no. And I also was like very, I'm still this way. I'm like, yo, you fucking up these kids with the bullshit you're, sh you're showing them. So like, I don't wanna have to be privy to that. I wanna show them the truth. There's oh, this big. thing called teaching artists. That's big. Yeah, so there's, there's this thing called teaching artists. So like, they took art and music out of schools and now there's a whole industry that brings art and music back into schools and they bring artists in to teach it. And it's evolved over time where now they're like, well, we can use art to teach people math and science and history and computers. And that's the dream. We'll... Right, so so that's, that's what I got into in 2006. I started to become a teaching artist and then that turned into what now is like hip hop education. So now I, I do research, I teach, I lecture, I curate programs, but I don't, and I, I, st I, st I make music. I mean, you've heard the records that I've, that I like great. the record that you were talking about was in the one that was earlier, that's from 2019. That's like, I'm still very much making records, performing, touring, well, you know, pre very good records with international audiences. Man says German. Yeah, I got I got cats. I got I'm I have records, cats speaking in Portuguese. Yeah, how, how does somebody get Sony? involved in this shit? I'm not gonna lie. There's not many people who pitch some shit where I'm like, bro, that sounds lit. I want to do that. So so you know it's funny, man. People ask me that all the time, and I and I feel like I let them down with my answer. And and this is kind of true of my entire career in life. And it's 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 ironically enough, it's the it's the name of the group I have my wife. Like I just go where the love is, man. Like my whole career has just been about I'm gonna be me. I'm just gonna show up and be me in a different way. What are the logistical sure. barriers one must overcome in order to actually participate in an organization like this in a serious capacity and gain employment? Facts. One, you have to identify said industry. But we're, but we're kind of talking about two different things mm. because the stuff that I was doing with those artists where you, you're geeking about them speaking German and other languages no, no. is I'm separate. That, I'm talking about your education. Oh, the education stuff. Oh, that oh, oh, shit, oh, yeah. That shit, I was like, bro, how okay. do I do that? Like as a uh, human. All right, so, I'll, I, all right, so I'll, t I'll tell you the story. And, 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 the, and the gist of the story is you have to, you have to identify the, the companies and the and the, the institutions or the organizations that are doing that type of work and finding out, you know, you know where, where does your artistry connect and fit? So like, I was looking for something alternative to public school education. Some friends of mine who were, who were basically the crew that I was in, both were public school teachers and then they transitioned. So they hipped me to it. And I met a woman named Rose, Rose Nopefeld, a.k.a. Rosa Bettina, in 2004-ish, she started a small non-for-profit called Urban Art Beat. And it was basically, she was a sixth grade English teacher in the Bronx, and she decided that she wanted to create an arts program in her school. So she started Urban Art Beat, and she was not an MC or an artist, but she used to go to Freestyle Mondays and was definitely like a fan of the culture. And she basically um, 
recruited a bunch of MCs and singers to come and do these after-school arts programs with mm -hmm. her students. And when I met her, I kind of like was like, yo, I'm, I'm trying to find something like this. And she's like, well, come through and be a part of this. And that's how it started for me. But it, it was really just me networking and being in a space with other like like-minded people and artists and I thinkers swear, literally every time i ask a human being how did you actually do this their answer honestly breaks down to the same thing i left yeah. my bubble and proceeded yeah, to talk yeah. to new people and found the opportunity because that's it that's the answer it's always like like i feel like i i don't know i ask it every time because i'm fascinated logistically how people do it and then at a logistical level it's always some bullshit where it's either i went on social media slash i went to real life i went to a place where people were and i found a person doing a thing i talked to said person improved my value and thus i integrated into said system and it's like that's the secret to a lot of things it doesn't actually get more complicated than that except that you have to go do it <clears throat> Yeah, and, and I and I, I think like you what you said, like getting out of your bubble, like for me, I never heard of teaching artists work until meeting uh, my boy Far Beyond um, and Rabbi Darkside, Sam Sellers and, and, and Fabian Salcedo. They're both um, trained public school teachers and were doing that work. And then for the same reasons why I was trying to get out of my nine to five, they were looking for something that one more aligned with their ideals, more aligned with the life that they were looking to lead as artists, but they didn't want to do something that didn't feel meaningless. And they wanted to work, they, they have a passion like I do for young people. So, you know, we live in a city like New York City, fortunately, that has an entire industry and community of this. And they tapped into it and because I've been with them, I became aware of it. And because of the community of people I was around, I was able to sort of tap into that. And then once I got in, I just never left. Like I literally quit my job after about eight months of doing it for free. And then just slowly went back to like odd jobs until I got enough work as a teaching artist Yo, that's to serious. basically just have that like basically pay my bills but like I you know I just trained I just it was it's funny now but like back then it was scary as fuck because I went from having a solid job but hating it meaning like I could pay for myself I could mm. go out you know, and not extravagant or anything, but like I had enough money that I could pay my bills and had a little leftover to do my thing. But I was miserable all the time. And then I go do this teaching artist work where I'm hanging out with these like kids in the Bronx. And I knew all of the cats that were in Urban Art Beat. They were the same MCs and DJs that were at Freestyle Mondays. We were all friends. And I felt like I had purpose. I'm working with these kids, we're building with them, we're giving them something that they love, we're helping them find their own like passion, but I'm broke as fuck. Mm. Like broke as fuck and struggling to just make sure that I can keep my head above water. I guess that's but the other part of it, eh? There's gonna be a, a sacrifice that comes with this kind of an occupation, because you're in education, which on top of it yeah. all is, is education. There's a transition. Yeah, so 15 years ago, you know, like I said, 
on the other side of it, I I am going up, you know, and I I'm blessed and fortunate. I I have opportunities happening all the time, and I've experienced some amazing shit. But then in 2006, from 2006 to 2008, I was scared shitless and was struggling but that struggle felt so different than the struggle it was to get up and get on a train and trudge my ass to some office and sit in a cubicle to deal with shit that I could give a fuck less about as opposed to getting on a train you know pulling up the little change together to fucking go to the Bronx travel over an hour to hang out with a bunch of 11 year olds for two hours and then travel the hour back to Brooklyn and do it all over again and basically be volunteering. But that was amazing, still is. Um, And I was willing to like, yeah, eat a little less, not go out as much until I figured out how I can make that how I made my how I made my my way of my living, and also too, it allowed me to. Um, it allowed me to keep developing my craft as an MC, as an artist, because if I'm showing these young people how to do it, then I need to be extra proficient at it. Mm. I need to really know what the fuck I'm doing. So now I'm 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 going even extra hard, working and practicing and developing techniques and trying to understand my techniques. So. I feel like we've lost over, so I wanna go back to, to homie who had the question, Ishmael. What I've learned from those kids was really like, and I, it sounds like a broken record, but it's really the truth, like, to to be fearless, to be fearless, to be yourself, um, because the one thing that I love about young people is like, one, most of the time, they smell bullshit from a mile away, and they they don't have a lot of pretense to shit, However they feel is how they feel. And they're going to let you know how they feel. They're going to be upright about that. Even if they don't verbalize it, they'll tell you in how they how they connect or don't connect to you. They're not afraid to, to do that. Um, but a lot of it is they're fearless. They're willing to do things and go places that they're not sure of. Um, so I, I I take that I take that from the young people I work with all of the time. And also too, I learned from them to like keep shit light. As much I'm a serious guy. I'm I, I'm very serious. You know, my wife might might say I'm too serious. Yo, shout out but, that gang of wives who think that shit. But 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 <clears throat> You know what? Working with young people and, and working with high school students allows me to stay just just a little bit, you know, goofy sometimes. Or just light. Just keeping shit light sometimes. Because that's, you know, I've made the best shit, again, when I'm just like, when I'm vibing. Mm. You know, when I'm not so like, I gotta get it right. I gotta... I gotta nail this fucking whatever, and it's just too, you know, Jay-Z said it in the Black Album, or in the the documentary for the Black Albums, like, never think music. If you're thinking about the shit, you've already, it's it's already fucked up. You gotta feel that shit. Mm. 
You can't you can't think a song into existence. You gotta feel it. The more you think about it, the farther away you're gonna get from the essence of what the thing is. So like young people, they live in that space. They're just like I and, and, and even if even if it's some hard shit or some or some some dark shit or some sad shit, they're not trying to like come up with like the most perfect way to express their pain. They're just expressing it. They're not trying to come up with the most intricate thing to get the vibe. They're just vibing. And that's really half the battle. Like, you know, going back to what I was saying about freestyling, like a lot of this shit, one of the first things I, I, I tell people, like, yo, you already know how to do it. I'm just mm. showing you that you know how to do it. I'm not teaching you how to freestyle. You know how to do it already. You just don't realize you know. I'm just gonna show you, Here's you have all the ingredients already. There's nothing I'm gonna give you or this to do you I'm just gonna show you that you know how to do it already and then you're just gonna practice. You're just gonna get comfortable with it. Yeah, you already know how to do it. The practice thing is huge. The Back, practice thing is everything. I don't know. I started, the thing like, is I have like almost a daily regiment where I try to freestyle bullshit. It's not necessarily oh, bullshit. Word. It's just like, you know, I'll be walking around and now I just start saying whatever the fuck. I rap about the cats a lot. Bro, I rap about these cats way too much. But like I was then I thought about it. What if I made like a cat album where like I just create entire personas for these two cats and turn that into like eight songs or some shit. The story of Gus and Ramona. Interesting. Yo, I don't know. These cats are they have personalities. Very distinct personality yo, it's been COVID, right? So the amount of time I spent with these cats changed drastically. Um, and I could come up with some bullshit that was true to the essence of these cats. I know it sounds crazy, but if you met these cats after hearing the songs, I think I could do their personalities justice. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> my door is my door is closed, but like I am a cat person. My wife and I have a cat Solomon. Cats absolutely have fucking. Per I wish he could. I wish. I mean, he he talks to us all the time, but like I don't clearly. I don't speak meow. Yeah. I wish I did, cause like. All yeah, time. they they def they they definitely have personalities, and they definitely be thinking about shit. They have clear thoughts on a lot of stuff. Because uh, he be all up in our business all the time, and the looks he gives us are like just like the head nod. It just yeah, for sure. So you should make that shit. Make that shit. I Make it. Come, yeah, I started this mixtape series. It's all off the dome. It's low effort. It was just shit to practice on. I might make some shit about cats. This just might be coming. A little anthology part of a project. <laughs> Do nah, it. I love the idea. Why? Because these cats are fucking ridiculous. They, not, like, I'm not going to say I'm their biggest fan because they don't like me. And I know they don't <laughs> like me. But they understand the value in politicking me. When cats politic you, it is not the same shit. Okay, <laughs> um, so you are an educator. You're somehow a hip hop artist. With all, not somehow. You're a hip hop artist with odd magic artist. Let's just go artist. You do artistry shit. You're a dancer. You're an event coordinator. What else do you do that we may have missed in, in this conversation that's gone all over? I mean, I that's the that's the that's the gist i mean like everything kind of flows from me being an mc and a performer but like you know like i said like i i i work with an organization called cyphers for justice as a researcher uh you know i've i'm a published 
essayist. So, but all of it's basically born of like my experience in hip hop culture and the love that I have for it and like my study of it. So, and this is what I was saying earlier with the KRS One, like that's what I took to heart. It's like, okay, so if I sell 10 rap records for the year, that's okay because the shit I said on the records and the approach I took or the research that I did, I can go, I lectured at Indiana University two years ago about the effects that the golden era had on the emergence of me as an educator and as um, a social justice activist. And I explained in the paper how like the ideas and the themes that I was exposed to in the 90s really fueled my ethos. And I talked about how that ethos is not just in hip hop music and culture, but in black culture as a whole. And how if you tap into that, it can lead you in these particular directions. And that paper got picked up by the Golden Era uh, conference. The uh, keynote speaker was Prince Paul. And I was the only one on the panel that wasn't a PhD and wasn't a musicologist. Yeah, everybody else, yeah, everybody else was an established academic. And this is a lot of my life. I'm always in places that people don't expect me to be. And I've gotten in those places, I've walked through those doors, or I've sat at those tables because what I be, and I've made it, I made me, I'm an expert at it. And I have a really deep passion for something that I'm able to express and articulate in a lot of different ways mm. and apply it to a lot of different things. But that frees me to rap about whatever the fuck I want to rap about. Cause that's really what I'm trying to do. I just want to fucking rap and make the music that I want to make for the people I want to make. And even that she's allowed me to tour and, you know, do festivals in Europe and Africa and Asia and, you know, win awards and all of that shit. But I'm never going to be as popular as the roots or, you no, know, be considered like, a legend like <laughs> tribe, but like everything that I do, and, yeah, and like, like my life is built around like my your music. life is so much like i mean your life is just so interesting at the end of the day like i mean don't get me wrong playing for like jimmy fallon for a decade is probably a really great gig i'm not even gonna shit on that but like at the same time um i would be love to just do half the shit you're doing just touring i want to go to africa that's not so fucking blessed i want to go save kids not like save kids, but like go fucking be some influence because I'm able to take this skill set and apply it in such a way where other people can avoid hurdles and shit that I hurdled through, you know, like, and just, you know, like there's a lot of, there's a lot more to life than say like the materialism in it. A lot more like, like the current trend in corporate land is this idea of a servant leader, which is ironically the kind of life you basically live, which is fascinating to see how all the really, really rich people are trying to be more like you. So in a sense, you found some kind of wealth source inside of your soul that I find highly appealing. Word. Yeah, it's, 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 it's weird how that works, right? Because we're, you're, we're, we're being sold being an individual. You know that 
that's kind of what we that's that's kind of what there's a whole industry multiple industries centered around teaching you how to be you and to be you you just have to live <laughs> like you Yo, just gotta go actually, out and like that was go something through i wanted to touch on a little bit earlier you said something super nifty to me you got to new york and you grinded 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 and it was like all work and then i thought to myself part of the reason i'm able to be like more versatile with my shit is because it took the time to go to like a bird sanctuary which got me thinking about these yellow chickadee bullshits i think they're chickadees i don't fucking little yellow birds and ducks and turtles and shit so you start think you see different shit you know you see a hot girl or whatever you just see things and then it's like sometimes you gotta like stop and go like smell roses in your life in a way so that you can both digest the shit that you've been living but also just go see some shit that's not what you've been seeing in like a quite literal way otherwise how can you really approach art differently if your life is the same cycle without any break or deviation there has to be like living added into that equation your life has to like i find progress in order for you to stay relevant within yourself you've managed to find ways to do that but i feel like not a lot of people talk about that and when they talk about living it's partying but i'm like nah I'm saying like fucking kayaking. If you ain't been kayaking, you don't know what the fuck kayaking is. How could you like, you know, like that's a bar. Like kayaking on the fucking waters, free around the mountains, the blue skies. You know, like that bullshit is real. And motherfuckers know what kayaking's about. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, it's real. And, and, it, and, it, and it is that simple. Like I have, a, I have a line that I have in one of my songs, Pretty. And like... The, the end of the bar is like the meaning of life is just to live and like that's that's what I believe like you just have to go out and experience things and it doesn't mean it has to be grandiose you don't have to go to like some mountain and 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 climb it or like you know walk through a fucking jungle you just have to go out and have like authentic experiences and like really be in them and really connect with them and connect with people and really be honest in that connection whatever that is it doesn't have to be grand it could be simple it could just be a talk it could just literally be like a mentioning about like what you just saw walk past you with the with a person or a moment that y'all caught something at the same time and a little joke happened out of it like being attuned to that as much as possible and you're, you'd be amazed at the things that you can sort of create from that. But like, that all sounds like super like esoteric for people or new agey or like what the fuck. They, what most people think is like, there's a book and a manual with a whole bunch of instructions and I just follow that and then I'll, and then I'll get the thing. It's like, everybody thinks it's like eat, pray, love or some shit. Like, no, 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 no actually just, eat, pray, love is spitting what you're spitting, but people misunderstood it. Yeah, but it, but that's the thing. Like she wrote that book, right? And it's basically like my life fell apart, and I just decided to just go somewhere, right? But it's like that was her experience. Yeah, but it's her version you know I mean? of that shit, right? I'm, but her book wasn't meant to be like go do what I just did yeah. to get what I got. <laughs> like people, people really misunderstood the point. It's like to teach you to go follow your own version of that shit, and then. The same thing happens over and over again with the fad books, so people kind of miss the point. But there's a reason they all say the same thing. 
because it works for a lot of people <laughs> like a lot of people you go live some life you get some experiences you find a way to stand out be interesting mostly become comfortable with yourself uh, and then you can reflect yourself into the world via laws of attraction you attract better people blah 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 and it just kind of cycles up towards better things in your world I mean like that that's all of these books and your life is kind of a lot of that too just fucking cool to see you're like you're like a walking self-help book <laughs> no but even like the way you spit the hip-hops and stuff a lot of it just resonate everything about what you've said has resonated with me either it's stuff i've lived things i've said things i like kind of believe in heavily i think you're on a wavelength where it's like it's just me yo when people start talking all that nonsense about how the world's on some dark tips and the world's getting worse and worse i'm like bro you won't even understand how many amazing things I see happening. And like the fact that your job is to go be you on kids is a blessing for the whole universe. That means the world gets to be better if there are now opportunities for people like you to go be you again in the world of the little ones. That, that's amazing. Think about how yo know, future generations and shit. It means they might outperform us, but that's a wonderful thought to me. I mean that means there's growth, right? That means there's Facts. evolution. Like if 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 the current place that humanity is in is the pinnacle, like there's going to be nothing after that, it's already dead. Yeah, it's fine. When you think about civilizations that reached their peak, and they and and they reached a peak, and then they just stopped moving in whatever upward direction. Yo, they a, all fell apart and those old people that were expecting rewards got massacred by other people that were just on the rise and come up which happened time and time again i was a very bleak way to bring that actually <laughs> i was bleak as fuck um honestly though i appreciate you coming through i'm not really sure where else to go with it and i believe that when my brain runs out of ideas that's usually a great time to like organically wrap it up we're almost at three hours this to me was a fucking great success of an episode um we definitely got to get a good sense of who you are i found it personally inspiring i just wanted to say that like how many people are out there like spitting the kind of like ideas that you are like i try to take a lot of what you said into my like just on my own path and bring that into my own world right i'm gonna say it all different and do it all different but the same core ideas are like and to see how you've made that a career and shit makes me personally feel more inspired on a lot of the decisions I've made recently where maybe other people don't see it. But yeah, then again, it's not supposed to be cool, which means nobody's supposed to see it. It's supposed to be fucking weird. I mean, just that alone, it's very helpful just for me as a human. So just wanted to thank you for that and whatnot because I believe in letting people know when they do very impactful things because sometimes people never say that shit and they should. You know, that's the whole giving flowers thing, right? give people yeah. flowers and whatnot so i just wanted to make sure i said that but in general this whole chat was like that for me like a lot of good shit you said that was helpful for somebody like me that's probably helpful for other people i'm sure my girlfriend has been nervous about freestyling is gonna start practicing fucking more i'm certain other people are gonna you know what because you just have that kind of fucking energy and the world needs that shit i'm just you with a lot more fucks <laughs> <laughs> Well, I appreciate that, my man, and and thank you so much for having me on, man. This has been, this has been super fun, dude. Um, and it's it's very very clear, man. Like you have a really really dope thing going on, and, and yeah, man, same thing, man. I love your I love your energy, and I love your your outlook on things, man. Because mm. people people try to make 
easy shit complicated. Yeah. And sometimes this shit's not that fucking complicated. Well, it's also you can do complicated shit, but then complicated people have to actually understand all the things that you did that were complicated in order to... Like, yo, I've written some shit that nobody's going to get, and that really sat with me. Like, when you put all the time and effort into writing clever shit and not one person has noticed it, it's a fucking weird experience. But you can write some dumb shit, like lose weight, and motherfuckers will connect with that. So Not dumb shit, you should you know, care about health and stuff. But, like, you know, I started realizing that, like, there's levels to this if you really want to take your ideas and connect with people. Anyway, that could just go on forever and ever. I really appreciate you coming through. All of your links have been popping up or whatever, the band camp, and I found your Facebook. All that's been popping up through um well everything's going to be linked below in the future people watching it so definitely going to have all your appropriate pluggings is is in order uh thank you all for watching you had like a sufficient number of people who stuck it through the whole fucking time which just makes this all feel and you know a lot more fun and a, more of an experience to go through so i definitely get more motivated when the chat's kind of litty not gonna lie it just helps a bit um but that's all you you were you were dope it, I do the same shit over and over. Trust me, I have to be with a guest that's fucking Liddy for it to be like people sticking around for hours. That's just the facts <laughs> of the situation. Well, yeah, man. Thank you again, and and yeah, hopefully, you know, if if cats are feeling what they what we were talking about mm -hmm. and, and stuff, yeah, definitely check my music at freshfruitsmusic.com and and the Bandcamp freshfruits.bandcamp.com and. And yeah, man, this is this is to be honest with you, I've done a lot of interviews and, and, and no bullshit. This is easily top three that mm -hmm. I've done, man. Because I I don't I don't usually get this in depth about about just like philosophy and life. It's it's this is very different, very very different, very fun. It's I really mean, dope. I think everybody is in the same place I'm in in a sense. We all want to make our bless ass art, but none of us get the opportunity to ask people the kinds of questions i feel like i can just ask because i don't give a shit i'll be wrong fucking tell me i'm wrong it's easy peasy lemon squeezy but like the fact is who doesn't need to know about all of this shit like yo i maybe somebody sees this shit and becomes a hip-hop educator type things people don't even know options exist until they all that anyway i can go on for days about that shit but it's just i learn uh, everyone they're a gift I get better at what I do because of what I do, which is fucking fascinating as hell to me. Um, anyway, special thanks also just to the patrons. Ismail Gadam, Chris Power, Jonathan Barnes, Andrew Beckwick, and then Linda Williams and Scribble. Dope support what we do. Patreon.com slash Behind That Suit if you want to support what we do. Or if you're on the Twitch, you know, Amazon Prime's free and shit for the subscribes. And, uh, yo, since we got the raid request, we're going to hit up the Native Hip Hop Festival. I hit that button. We gotta do the weird countdown, but live long and prosper, everyone. Now we gotta Peace. wait like two seconds.